right, welcome back to the I'm Nerd Podcast, guys. We are here for our 30th episode. And if you're looking at this on Patreon, you can see that we are going to be talking about some of the saddest shit ever, which is death and anime, video games, and all things really fantasy, including stuff like Game of Thrones, um, The Hunger Games, just whatever fantasy genre has death in it. Harry Potter. Uh, we seem to be on a trend. Yeah. Yes. Between <laughs> our, our, we we've been uh, in a dark place with these podcasts lately, <laughs> but we we're getting out of this eventually. You know, I think this might be the end of a, like a little trilogy that we've done. We've done near death experience, then we did anime near death experiences, and now we're doing actual death in like fantasy. So yeah, in this fiction. Is, yeah, this is exactly. So this is going to be talking about, um, like we said, just characters who have died and fantasy things that honestly are just super iconic and impacted us in a crazy way. And probably you guys as well. So, uh, and their, get... their, their impact on, you know, the plot and the story moving forward. Cause if, if a series does it right and a character dies in the way that it's written, it has a huge impact on what happens going forward. It should except Neji, but we'll talk about that later, but yeah, it should. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, let us, uh, just ask, how are you doing today? Kenny today? I'm doing all right. I wanted to relate some real life into this story. So before we talk about all the fiction and stuff, just this past weekend, this Saturday, uh, I was at a funeral. It was for one of my grandfathers. And so relate the topic to to real life. Um, I was at a funeral, and I don't want to talk too much about all that stuff. You guys don't know my grandpa, obviously. But there was something that I guess really, really annoyed me, and I've it's not the first funeral I've ever been to, but it's the first time I've been able to do a podcast the day after being at a funeral. So I guess it's the first time I get to really I vent about this topic. Right. I was at the funeral and it starts off, you know, you're there. There's like a picture of of the deceased and whether or not they're in a coffin or if they're or if the urn with their ashes are there, however it may be. At the beginning, somebody gets up. They say a few words about the person and then like a normal mass pretty much takes over. Like yeah. for the next hour, it's just like a mass that yeah. would happen on any given Sunday. And somewhere in the middle of the mass, the priest might relate some stories that he was told by the family members might relate it to like some scripture. And as I'm sitting there, I'm not really religious. I don't really have anything against religious people, though. I, don't, I, I go to funerals all the time. Uh, not all the time. But, <laughs> but I, here's the point that I'm getting to. I got really annoyed when the, the funeral's happening and the mass is going on for like an hour and a half. And an hour of this mass was literally just people talking about Jesus. Oh God. And my, my point of view is like telling stories about Jesus and scripture and all this other stuff. And I, my point of point of view kind of is just like, you can talk about Jesus every day. I feel like a funeral. It's kind of like your last birthday. You're not there, but it's the last time all of these people that love you and know you are going to be together in one room to celebrate your life. Like, and that the, when that happens, it's like on your funeral. Yeah. And I, I kind of wish that instead of telling 30 stories about Jesus, everybody's already heard. <laughs> instead of just people just telling stories about that person. Cause that's like the last chance for everybody in that room to tell those stories to everybody there. And you can learn new memories and get new experiences with this person, like essentially on their last day. Yeah. I, uh, I have an experience like that with, funerals where you know obviously it can get very preachy very churchy but i've also had the opposite which is what you want 
where um, people go up and they tell stories. And the whole thing is just that, really. And some of the stories are so funny. I think that that's yeah. like the intent. And, and it'll, it'll be stuff that you never knew about the deceased. Which yes. Makes, it's so interesting to me hearing these things. And it's like most people start laughing because somehow, I don't know how, but funeral speakers have such fucking amazing comedic timing. <laughs> like my uncle, my uncle David, at my grandmother's funeral, he went up there and he told this ridiculously long story that seemed at first like it was a little, a little all over the place, but it has so much comedy in it. And then it had a really insane ending. Like the ending yeah. was so fucking sad that I, I was already in tears, but like I completely melted when he ended the story. It was like a drop mic moment of what he said, because ba- like long story short, my grandmother adopted him essentially like her sister died and she left him to her which is my grandmother so like he's not technically he's not my actual uncle and all this other stuff but like the way he ended it by saying like the two sisters are finally together again and he said something about like i gave you a job to do from his from his real mom's perspective he said i gave you a job to do and you did a fucking great job um, to my grandmother, like as she like meets up with her sister again in the afterlife, and that shit ruined me. Like he said it in such a mu- a much more poetic way. Yeah, yeah. And when of course, I tell yep. you that that blew my mind because I just didn't see it going there, and that whole line about like I gave you a job and like you fucking killed it, like I just, oh my god, I just fucking melted. Like it's coming back to me. You guys yeah, are yeah. pretty emotional. I'm not trying to go <laughs> there again, but that shit, like yes, I appreciate a specialized. Uh, service for the person that's more so focused on the person and not necessarily like you know like you said a thousand stories about jesus that we've yeah. all heard a million times like jesus you know for people who are very religious like you know that's fine again i don't have anything against super religious people or anything like that either i went to catholic school my entire life um and my dad preaches now like my mom's also like half of a preacher or something. So it's, it's, it's yeah. I, like I have religious people all around me and my family, but I can do, a, I can do without all of that. Like organized yeah. religion. I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. I have some members of my family, very devout religious and that's fine. Like I said, and I, I've got nothing against that. And regardless of the religion, we're mostly at the moment talking about Christian, but it doesn't. Yeah. I don't care. But yeah, it doesn't matter. But yeah, my only point is just, cause I've also been to some funerals, although not many where the whole purpose is just like, focus on that person and that's kind of just what i wish the the norm was because yeah. uh like there was one part where the preacher was just ranting and he's like trying to relate it to our grandfather but he's just like ranting about random <laughs> scripture and then like occasionally exactly relating it back and i'm just like what is this guy even fucking talking about and then and then they'll start singing and then there's this one part where the lady was a beautiful singer. The lady, she was like playing the piano and singing, a beautiful singer. But then the one priest was singing with her and he was just consistently off key. Like he was, <laughs> she, she would like sing something. Like let's just say she would say like, amen, like amen. Like she yeah. would say that. And then I swear, I saw like two <laughs> seconds after she said it, she's on the next line and the priest was like, amen. I was like, what? I was like why is he so late? Like, <laughs> Oh man, this but sounds just, more. Yeah, it was just a rant. This but, sounds uh, more comedic than I bet it was intended to. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was. But I, I just know there at some point, like I looked around the church, and when he was just ranting, I, I kind of looked around and I could see in people's faces like this isn't what they're here for. Yeah, you know what I mean? like 
Like all of those people would much rather somebody go up and tell a, a great, like a couple funny stories, sad stories about this person. And then some of them will be stories that you knew and love for a long time. And then some of them will be stories you never heard before that yeah. give you some new memories for this person that's already passed away. And I don't know, that's a little bit of the little bit I wanted to kind of say at the beginning. Yeah, no, that's, um, you, I mean, you literally just experienced death in your family and we've been talking about death a lot. We probably spoke it up a little too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you ask me, but it's a little art, too close. Art imitates life. It does. And yeah, at this point we are artists, we're content creators now, but uh, I'm, I am glad that you're doing okay. And that, um, you know, your grandfather's in a better place and all, you know, all the cliche things that people tend to say. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, you know, I care about you because we've been friends for so long and I don't really, I don't think you've, since I've known you, there hasn't been too much death in your family that I can really recall. So, uh, but me and you tend to have like the same kind of outlook on the whole thing and just yep. not, we, we tend to be a bit stronger than most people when it comes to death and just kind of our outlook on it is like, you know, everyone dies. You know, that's kind of like how we yeah, feel, it, feel. It hurts. And, you know, but you got to keep moving forward. Yeah. Um. Certain certain deaths are going to hit you harder than other deaths. Speaking uh, of which, should... let's get into the very first one. Okay. So, what's the very first one? <laughs> so the very first death that I actually want to talk about, you can see I got this fucking collage behind me of fucking yeah. all the different deaths that I just thought out randomly. I wrote a list of all the ones that really impacted me. And I'm sure you have some, a lot of them are probably cross paths because we, you know, we watch the same shit, but I have up here, uh, L from death note. I have ACE from one piece. I have Aerith from final fantasy seven. I have Nina Tucker from full metal alchemist. I have Erwin from, um, what's it called? Uh, fuck Erwin from, <laughs> I'm just going to let you ride. I'm going to just let you ride. Okay, it sorry. Out. Erwin from Attack on Titan. <laughs> Jesus, that was bad. Uh, especially because Attack on Titan is my top five anime of all time. It's like literally right now, my, pretty much my favorite anime next to Death Note. Uh, and then we have Jiraiya from Naruto and we have Kite from Hunter Hunter. There's also more that I couldn't even fit into this collage or more so I didn't want to shrink all the pictures down so small that I just fit even more because this can go on and on and on as fantasy deaths. But the mm -hmm. one that I have up here that honestly, I'm not going to lie, probably out of all of these affected me the most was fucking Jiraiya. Mm. Like, and I think, and I think we did talk about this a little bit in a past episode, but I always go back to uh, like good and bad ways to kill off characters. Right. So I could go out of anime and talk about demon slayer. Cause I think that Ren Goku's death and demon slayer in the movie Mugen train. I don't think it was really well done at least because of the pacing of the anime. He was introduced to us and then they killed him immediately after Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I literally didn't feel anything when he died. Like I didn't, I felt more when Tanjiro was upset about the whole situation and how Tanjiro reacted to the demon running away than I did from like him actually dying and me being a, like impacted by that character. That character did not have enough time for me to grow attached to him to feel something. However, the exact hmm. opposite can be said about a mentor, a sensei, and Jiraiya's death, because Jiraiya has been around since literally early Naruto, like not Shippuden, just early Naruto. Yep. Regarded as legendary Sanin, uh, regarded as one of the most powerful ninjas in the entire franchise, or so we thought. Um, and just a very respectable person, you know, very revered person, and somebody who you see a lot 
before he dies. Like before before he dies, there's a lot of uh, manga chapters that have Jiraiya in them, a lot of content that has Jiraiya in it. You've seen him fight at this point. You've seen uh, the whole love affair or like the the love he has for Tsunade that never really mm-hmm. panned out. Um, he also mentions that like that was the other the one only the other time he came close to death outside of Naruto going four tails was when he peeked in on Tsunade <laughs> and other women like bathing and she fucking broke every bone in his body or something like that. But but yeah, Jiraiya is like one of those characters where when I was reading the manga uh, at the time, and I feel like I was in college, but when I was reading the actual manga as it came out week to week, when he went to the Hidden Rain Village. I didn't expect him to die. Even like Sonata did warn him, like, do not don't yeah. do this. Like, don't don't do this. But he said, like, I have to do it and all that stuff. I didn't think that he was and going he to says he says the one line like like if you cry for me, that'll make me like I'll be happy or something like that. Like he yeah. was like, If I die and you cry for me, like I'll yeah. be happy. And like they definitely foreshadowed like he's going to die. You know what I mean? Like it definitely had that ominous feel to it. I'm not like I definitely knew that that's where they were trying to hint at. But I was like, there's no way Jirai is going to die. I agree. At the same time, like it was there, but it I don't know. You couldn't say for a hundred percent certainty he was going to die because like people come out of situations like that all the time. Yes, in anime. I just so okay. Uh, We can both give our takes on this, but. When Jiraiya goes to the village and like he runs into Conan and then he like beats her real quick and then he finds eventually he finds pain. And you, the viewer, the reader, whatever, you don't know anything about a Renegon. This is literally the introduction of it. I mean, literally the first time in the entire series that you see or hear anything about a Renegon. It is completely new. As far as we knew, the manga Kucharangan was like as good as it gets for Ocular mm-hmm. 2. And you he runs into this character, he thinks that they look familiar. And they build up all this lore around it. And like he's fighting them, but he doesn't really like he's doing that thing that every good ninja or great ninja should do, which is like feeling out his opponent, trying to understand like what they can do. And it pain starts off with all the summons. It's very epic. Uh, the whole summoning thing was insane, especially the way they animated it. And he starts running away and gathering energy. He like summons the frogs and he starts gathering the energy. He goes into sage mode again, the first time in the entire franchise that you also see this. This is something completely new. You didn't even know about Hashirama sage mode at this point. Nothing. This is a completely new thing, and it's a fucking crazy buff. Like it is insane how he was kind of like struggling against the summons and stuff. Like they were doing the most, and then when he got into sage mode, he just. I remember one of them, the fucking frog, like wrapped its tongue around the chameleon, I think, and then like Jiraiya shot or the other one shot a water laser out, like that was super thin, and cut it in half. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> like they they were wilding out on the fucking summons and just everything that he did in sage mode was why he did like a tatsumaki at one point against the dogs um, <laughs> knocked them unconscious for a minute the bird like it was a lot it was really cool very big uh a, a crazy powerful fight i actually considered to be like one of the best fights in naruto period most people when they talk about like best fights they don't really bring it up often but jiraiya versus pain i think is actually a fucking amazing fight Start to finish. Like, it's very, very good. Uh, especially because you don't know what's going on with either one. You don't know Jiraiya's... At this point, you don't know Jiraiya's abilities anymore either. Like, you're, everything he does... Yeah. You know, when he did the Odama Rasengan for the first time, I was like, holy shit, it's like a spirit bomb. <laughs> That's and exactly then, what I said. I think he then, just used the fucking spirit bomb. Yeah, it's fucking wild. And then Pain absorbs it and everything. And it's... That whole thing, to me, when I was reading it, the panel of the gigantic uh, Rasengan coming out, I was like, wow, this is next like Jiraiya really is the shit like this is when I thought 
you know, this guy is insane. I see why he's so feared and revered and everything. And then I'll come to find out it's like an incomplete sage mode at that. So this is not even like if, you know, this is not even mastered. He had to use the toes and everything to get it. So there's a lot going into this fight. And then eventually it gets to a point where he does a crazy genjutsu. That's like a sound genjutsu, which I believe to be honestly, probably one of the most powerful genjutsus in the entire show as well. Cause it's sound. Uh, and I think there's only one other ninja that I even know of that did something like that. Who was honestly, or one of the Richie Marl is one of the sound five or whatever they called, but she had the flute. She could do like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So sound genjutsu is wild to me because how do you stop yourself from like hearing, uh, but then like it took out the three pain bodies and then he thinks he he think he won I guess and he's walking out and then a, a new body that wasn't even part of the fight like slides up behind him and he's like I thought you told me never to let your guard down Jiraiya sensei yep. and he fucking the next panel is Jiraiya with his arm blown off and then he gets killed you know long story short he, all the bodies are brought back we've all seen it we've all read it or whatever and Jiraiya gets fucking actually murdered. And even as this was happening, even as he's literally getting stabbed up and shit, and like they're fucking him up real bad, I still thought, I don't know how, I just thought that somebody was going to come. I thought maybe Tsunade was going to come and like, I knew you needed backup with some crazy medical jutsu that like, you know, gets the stakes out of his back and then fucking seals those holes up. He got like five rods in his back. I thought something was going to happen. I thought Kakashi and maybe, I don't know. I thought people were going to arrive to save this man. Kind of like when Kakashi was about to get his heart taken out <laughs> and then fucking Naruto came in and like, you know, the rest of the ninjas came in. I was like, okay, now Kakashi was about to get jumped by a bunch of high level ninjas. You know, I th- that's what I thought was about to happen. I was like, they're not going to kill Kakashi. And then they didn't. I thought Jiraiya was going to have the same thing, but they actually let him brutally. I mean, it was brutal. He also got like the guy, one body shot a missile at him. And it blew up the fucking little platform he was on and shot him into the water. So he started drowning. And he talked about how his lungs were crushed and he couldn't speak. It was a lot. And he was I like, um got yeah. Go ahead. I'll let you go. I, no, I, I agree. And I want that's part of one of the most depressing parts of Jiraiya's death is like he dies completely alone. Like yes, oh he's my god, just yes. completely alone. He has no backup. Like when the, there's the panel where you see him sinking like into the water and shit. Yeah. And it's just. It hurt like it's a crushing feeling as you're reading it. If you're invested in the story, yeah, like, it's pretty crushing. Because he has nobody at that moment. Like he's just alone. He's getting overwhelmed. Like like you said, the Renegon's not something anybody even knows about at the moment. Like it's not something he could have really even prepared for. You yeah, know, literally forethought to think of. Like, and he just gets completely overwhelmed, and he's completely alone when it happens. Like there's nobody to kind of carry on. Even the two things that are with him, like the other sentient beings, the frogs, they had to leave him. Yeah. To deliver and the message. He told them, like, no, you have to leave. You have to abandon me. Do not stay with me. Like, I need this message to be a hundred percent, you know, delivered to Tsunade. Otherwise, this whole thing, I die. I'll, I'm going to die. I die for nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, if Jiraiya didn't die and didn't have that, like, didn't go to his death, essentially, and didn't have that message delivered, like, that was it. Like everybody was wrecked. Like everybody it was a rat. <laughs> it was a fucking rat. <laughs> yeah, the whole the real one isn't there. I think that was the message, right? So yeah, um, yeah, if that didn't happen, apparently that would have been uh, like really bad. Naruto had no idea that those bodies were not the real one. And then even after he beat all of them, he wouldn't realize like, well, this guy can just get six new ones. Yeah, just just up. Nope. And I'm then bad. attack the village again, attack you again. And this time when he gets you down with the rods in your back and he beats the shit out of Naruto's perfect sage mode, he's not going to spend time monologuing. 
and doing nonsense and then fighting his girlfriend. He's just going to straight up extract summon the fucking statue and extract the QB. And then the, the whole, I mean, at that point, the show is over, right? Yep. So, uh, but yeah, Jirai's death really crushed me. And I, re- I'm not a Jirai fan, which is, it's really weird for me to even be talking about him in such high esteem because I typically shit on him online pretty often. Um, just because his lore is greater than he actually is, or at least the way they wrote him. Like he kind of got hoed by what Kishimoto just wrote him as the fights that he got. And he pretty much never wins a fight in like the entire anime. Um, and you know, it's just it, like the first time you really see him fight, he also lo- like dies because <laughs> he pretty much like every yeah. other time he's like, Oh, well he fought the other two signing, but then he was drugged. They definitely should have, he definitely should have had some, some accolades before he went out. Yeah, like, like, they should have gave him some, a, some rumbles. Yeah, man. Like there should, there needs to be a little Jiraiya mini anime like they did for Itachi. Um, you know, a, a Jiraiya Gaiden or something where you get to watch him maybe in his prime go off or like watch him when he first learned Sage Mo and how he uses it against someone else besides a person using the most powerful ocular jutsu there is. Yeah. And who also knows him, which is also another thing. Like this guy, he's fighting. It's really one sided. I, I actually know you and you were my yeah, yeah. No idea who I am at the moment. You were my sensei. Like, you know what I mean? Like I know, I know you. So yeah. And then also like, yeah, I mean, pain, the fight really is not close. When people try to like, they're like, oh, he beat three bodies. Like, yeah, but the fact that Pain only sent them three was kind of disrespectful to begin with. Like, he kind of didn't take Jiraiya seriously to begin with because it really only takes that one body to win. From <laughs> the way he did Naruto, that, there was only one body left, and that one body beat a perfect Sage Mode Naruto. Like, it beat him <laughs> handedly. But I don't want to get too focused on like, you know that part it's just more so about the actual death that impact and then obviously you know everyone like Tsunade did cry um naruto everybody was just fucking super hurt by it devastating devastating death but yeah that's that's the first one and probably one of the most impactful for me big homie jiraiya yeah, yeah. That, that one was tough man I, I like i already said it but the i guess like the crushing like loneliness of it as he died yeah, I remember, it's like it's the part that I remember the most. Like the part that I remember the most is him sinking and just like that crushing feeling I had reading it. Yeah, and when like, you God. say that the loneliness thing, because I didn't even think about that like until you said it. Like I remember when I first you know read and watched it, that was a thought in my mind. But it's been so long. But now that you say that, it also something sad about even in real life, like with the whole pandemic and the COVID situation, that really does bother me. Like I know that it sucks that this you know, this virus is like, you know, highly contagious and everything. Like it spreads pretty easily from what I understand, but like people who die from it in hospitals are dying alone typically. And that yeah. shit is super sad to me. And I really hate that. I remember when I first heard that in 2020, that the people who are in the hospitals dying of COVID are not allowed to have anyone visit or like in their final moments, there's no one there with them. And that, that is a, a type of hell like that really is man that's fucking even even when i went to the hospital i was hospitalized for a couple days in october and i wasn't allowed to have anyone come with me to the hospital like they literally told like anyone who was with me that like no like he he has to come here alone and also even when i got a room to stay overnight they told me that i can only have one visitor per day yeah. So that's like, all. Like, it's just, it's really, it's hard. It's really hard. And dying, dying, yeah. There's a lot of stories of, and you know, however you might 
think this actually plays out. But I, I know a lot of like anecdotal stories, like personal stories, people I know of where like a person's basically on their deathbed and they hold out until like basically everybody comes to visit them. Like at oh, yeah. some point, everybody comes and visits them and says hi or like their last goodbyes. And they, they end up dying like the next day. Yep. That happens so, so, so many times where it seems like they were almost willing themselves, like forcing themselves yeah. to like hold on until they got to say their goodbyes. And then after that, they sort of like let out, let out that final breath and just like, that was yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. And so if you I, have nobody that can come visit you at all, you know what I mean? Like you probably yeah, early pandemic, you weren't allowed to have anybody. You, you die quick. Like you'd probably just pass quick. Like you, there's nothing to hold on to. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just depressed. I bet so. I, oh, uh, this is a little dark, but I bet that some people even probably like begged and cried asking, yeah. could they please see their relatives? You know what I mean? Like imagine. Yeah. Anyway, I, I want to get off this. This is, like, <laughs> you know, we have a lot of depth to talk about today. And uh, I know this is a bit of a dark episode, but this is all like, you know, death and fiction. But we are because of the situation of the world. We also relating it to real life, which was kind of unexpected. But um, that's what you get from the I'm there podcast. Just you never know. Uh, all right. So let's pivot over to the next one, which is not an anime. It's a video game. And mm. it's from Final Fantasy seven. The death of Aerith. Now, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the, me. The- the most spoiled death of all time. Yes. Easily. I want to say 50% of the people that have played FF7, probably more, 70%, know about this scene before they even play the game. Yep. Uh, fortunately, because I was around when a game was released, even though I didn't play it when it was released, but I was around for the release, and I did play it shortly after the release, but I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, so I didn't get far at all. I did not, I did not get to the end of this one, which is when she dies, by no means. I think I made it in... Like you know the the Shinra building, and that probably was it for me as a as a kid, like a kid kid. I'm talking about under under eight years old probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I I did play the game super young, but then I went back to it when I was much older, not much older, but like you know a competent player. And I didn't know that this fucking character was going to die. The good mm-hmm. thing is I didn't like her on my party anyway. Uh, I'm an aggressive RPG player. I typically do not round my party out with a healer if I don't have to. I think the only time I ever did was in Final Fantasy X with Yuna, but like Yuna's broken. So it's, <laughs> it's not really because like she's a summon. She's the only one who can summon. She's a summoner, and the summons are outrageous in Final Fantasy X, uh, especially with the whole overdrive mechanic that you can soar and then, when you, you know, that whole thing. Grand summon, and then they have two overdrives. Yuna's broken in Final So like your white mage in 10 is not your typical like weak white mage. Like Aerith is fucking weak. In Final Fantasy Seven, so I didn't use her in Final Fantasy Seven. I used like Cloud, Tifa, and Barrett, or Cloud, Tifa, and Red Thirteen, stuff like that. Like I used yep. any other combination of characters. Uh, I say all that to say, when you get to the end of this one, she's been with you this whole time. She's actually in the opening fucking cutscene. Literally the first character you see in Final Fantasy Seven. Period. The actual first character you see, and she dies. Uh, it was a, just a surprise to me when I saw it. I was just fucking yeah. like. I was gagged. I was fucking shocked. I didn't. I didn't it, expect it. It comes out of nowhere too. It's not like it just literally comes out of nowhere. I mean, literally comes out of nowhere. It, it does, and it's one of the, especially if you played it at the time. Something that makes this scene, I think, very impactful is that prior to this, I'm not a graphics guy. Like, in, like I love me some some 16 bit SNES games, but yes, prior to this, if you've been playing video games, they're they're 
they're like 16-bit, they're sprite-based, all the RPGs. When somebody died in an RPG prior to FF7, their sprite would just like bloop and just kind of fall to the side. There's yes. Like a little bloop. But this was one of the first times you played a video game and you watched somebody get fucking impaled. Like yes. You watched them die and it wasn't just like their sprite plooping to the side. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that... I, that was fucking huge. Like that was, that was. I don't know. It was just a really, really, really big moment. Yeah, it was. And seeing Holy, her little, you know, she had Holy in her hair, and how it like drops out and then it bounces, mm-hmm. and it falls into the water, and then seeing Cloud shortly after lay her into the water and then let her body go down, which is not probably not the best way to <laughs> get rid of a dead body, but, um, but yeah, he like lays her in the water and everything. That that whole thing is really sad. And it's Sephiroth. If, if you were watching this on Patreon, Sephiroth in the background fucking literally having a ball. I mean, he's like <laughs> literally in the background laughing with his arms raised in the air and he's like chuckling and shit. I remember the scene. It's just, it's, it's, it's wild. It's, it's actually very sadistic, very wild. I, uh, so Final Fantasy VII Remake, one of my favorite games that came out in 2020. Well, actually my favorite game that came out in 2020 period. Um, love the game. I think the game is fucking fantastic. I am so good. It's so, so good. And I think that, well, no, I should say I'm curious about how they're going to kill Aerith in Final Fantasy VII Remake because the graphics that we have now, that game looks beautiful. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always talk about the scene where she comes out in a red dress if you do all the right requirements when it's time to like dress up cloud as a girl, uh, when, when Eric comes out in that red dress and the fireworks and everything happened in the background, that iconic scene, it blew me away in a remake. I can't imagine the emotion and attention that they're going to create when it's time for her to die. And because they're changing things here and there, which I am actually here for that. She might not even die in the same way. Like yeah, it might be, dude, you know, the story of remake is so cool. Like it's, yeah, it's, it really is really cool. Yeah, I agree. It's so good. That's one thing I was wondering when we were going through remake on the stream. I was like, I wonder how they're going to end this game because, like, I know that it was only the Shinra arc. Yes. And uh, I thought it was cool that they found a way to end it with a Sephiroth fight. They were like, "Listen, y'all, it's it's FF seven. We got to end it with a Sephiroth." Fight. I think that was cool as shit too. A lot of people, you know, not a lot of people, but some people, the the people who I guess are purists are like. Uh, just don't want things changed at all. They really hated the like the shadowy things that were moving the story along. Uh, like they kind of can change fate or whatever, or they try to keep fate the same. They try to keep things yeah. the same, like the way they're supposed to go. They try to make sure that certain things happen. And what Cloud and Aerith and everybody else is able to do is actually like change things. Uh, people don't like that. And people didn't like that you fight Sephiroth at the end of this squad because they're like, "Well, who are you going to fight?" And I'm like, "He's not dead. It's it's fucking yeah, Sephiroth. Like, how not, do you not how do you not know that?" Yeah, he's not. Also, the thing that I think is kind of cool. Maybe some people think it's cheesy, but I think that the something that's cool about the Final Fantasy VII remake is that it, it's not just a remake in name only. Yeah, the story of FF Seven remake is almost like they're like they're tr- like Sephiroth. At least the impression that I, Sephiroth is aware that FF7 already happened. Like he's aware of the separate timelines on yep. like like he's and he's trying to change things and there are theories about that when he says 7 seconds to the end and stuff like there's definitely yeah. some uh, allusions to maybe this game is actually connected in some way to the original. Yeah. 
This game's almost a sequel to FF7 while yep. being a remake of FF7, which yes. I think is pretty fucking interesting. And if that turns out to be a reveal, that's going to be mind-blowing just by the fucking way. Like, that will be yeah. insane. But yeah, Also, Aerith- didn't they allude to Zack being alive in Remake? Um, I don't think so, but I don't want to say definitively no because I haven't played it. And pro- now it's, so it's, it's November. I haven't played it in a year. Uh, so I don't want to say, I don't want to shoot it down and say definitively no, because there's YouTube videos I'm sure out there that are think pieces and analyzations <laughs> yeah. of every little piece of dialogue that can probably prove or disprove any theory that people have at this point. <laughs> so I'm not going to say yes or no, but I don't think so from my memory, because I feel like that's yeah. something I would remember. But again, it, you know, the way last week with WandaVision's episode, the whole Malcolm in the Middle being in the case thing, like, yeah. <laughs> You know that shit to like in my in your mind's eye. You're like, no, that wasn't there. And, and then we went back and I was like, yeah, that actually is a thing. So it could it could be, um, but yeah, it's it's called remake, and it's not just a port with better graphics. It's not literally just you know take game, put game into a new system, upgrade graphics, and leave everything exactly as it were. That's not what this is. This is literally a remake. Uh, the word remake is is very important here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but Arif is. Arif's death was shocking to me because uh, it wasn't spoiled, thankfully, because I was just fortunate enough to be around when the game first came out. And I definitely felt bad because even like Clout landing on her flower bed, her giving him the flower in the very beginning <sighs> of the game. Yeah. There's a lot of mo- you stand with her mom over with her, you know, at the time you think it's her mom and everything. But like you stand over her house and then having to sneak out so that, that way <laughs> she doesn't. <laughs> She doesn't get involved with you because, you know, you're an avalanche and that whole thing. You don't want somebody who's kind of pure and innocent, somebody who, you know, literally is a gardener uh, to get involved with that. So there's a lot of like emotion and stuff that goes into this character throughout the entire story. You find out about her being an ancient and all of that stuff. It's a lot. And they develop her character quite a bit. It almost focuses on her the entire disc one, really. Like there's a lot of focus on Aerith. So when she does die, it's like, holy shit. And RIP to the people who actually trained that character and had her on their party for most of the game. Yeah, I uh, that's a lot of RPGs, except for the ones where you have like 14 party members, because yeah. some games give you so many party members. But in games where, the, where you have a somewhat manageable party size, uh, I try to train all of them. Like I try to, like obviously I'll have my, my favorites. Yes, but, always. But uh, I'll try to train all of them. So I definitely had Aerith tra- trained and that shit definitely hit me like emotion narratively, everything that everything you've already mentioned. But then additionally, I was like, I fucking use her. Like, yep. how they going to just take a, a, like a, a, a user. Like, yeah. What the fuck? I fortunately did not. Uh, I, I got, I got off scot-free with that one. When she died, nothing happened to me. I was like, Oh, all right. I just had to take her materia. If she even had any, she might not even have had any. Um, but yeah, that part is, is crazy and yeah people who actually invested in that character and trained that character i kind of feel strange when i was playing remake i low-key was like i don't want this girl in my party like <laughs> i lo- like low-key i was like i kind of because i didn't know where i didn't know how this one was going to end i didn't read any spoilers for final Fantasy VII remake i didn't know that it was only going to stop it was going to stop before her death like um or maybe i did maybe i knew that it was gonna i know I, okay i knew it was an episodic thing i knew they were doing that I don't know if I was fully aware that it was going to stop at Midgar. So yeah, when I was playing the game, I remember having her on my party on my party and you're you're forced to in parts and remake. Like you can't even yeah. do well, you know, to say what you are in the original game though, she's forced on your party. And I was like, damn, I kind of just want to use Barrett and Tifa. 
Like, is that is that okay? Or like, can you guys give me Red 13 already so I can like, you know, use him? But that doesn't happen. And then you're kind of forced to use her. So I'm wondering at what point they might. For all we know, because they only covered Midgar in, in Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's actually completely possible that she doesn't even die in the second episode. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's possible. I don't know how long you'll have her, but yeah. I'm definitely excited to see what they go going forward for that. But yep. yeah, go. But, yeah, well, okay. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's pivot over to let's do L from Death Note. Mm. Uh, this one's pretty good. De- so Death Note is my favorite anime of all time. Uh, second favorite manga of all time, next to uh, One Piece. Uh, and the death of L, me being a person who so Death Note was out for a while, and I never watched it, never cared for it. But my best friend used to watch it in English, and I just would like do something else, be on my Game Boy or whatever. Uh, PSP maybe at the time, whatever it was, but I was not interested in it at all. I thought it sounded stupid. And when I first watched it, I don't know. I, I was pretty old when I first watched Death Note. Like I actually sat down in Japanese and watched that shit and blew my mind away the very first time. And then I found out about the manga and that there's like slightly di- slight differences and stuff like that and blew my mind with that too. And then I watched the movies and was like, uh, whatever with the movies, but still watched them anyway. And Netflix fucking made that really ab- like yeah. that abomination a couple that of years Netflix ago. Netflix movie is OD. <laughs> yep. Abomination. Fucking awful. But uh yeah, and in, in, in the anime, which let's just I guess let's just do the anime. So, you know, they have this battle, L and Light, and I'm a big light fan, but I still do like L, but I'm like I am a major light fan. I think like light was right, like that's the side I would take. I would be light if I was in that verse and like somebody said like, you had to choose one or the other. It, I'm light. like, that's just my personality lines up with light and everything. Like, that's just how I am. Uh, I don't want people to think too much into that, but like, whatever. I was about to say, <laughs> hold up. I'm just saying, if I was given a death note, I can't say that I wouldn't do the same thing. But like, listen, everybody listening to the podcast. I, re- I very much appreciate if you share these episodes, but if you have FBI family members, <laughs> do not share this episode with them. <laughs> Do oh not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, with, with L, they were going back and forth for a while, and then Light really does get over on him savagely with the whole "I'm going to lose my memories, and I'm going to make up two fake rules that literally cannot be disproven." Like you, you can, you can, you can do away with every other rule. You can pretty much figure out a way to say, "Okay, all of these rules are accurate here." But these two rules, like these last two ones that I added, are just, they just fucked on him. They fucked on him so bad. Um, and basically, he was forced to like release Light. Then Light, because he doesn't have his memories, he actually starts solving the case, which is so fucking funny to me. He starts solving the case for Kira. And at one point, he even suspects himself, which is so funny. Uh, but good, you know, good, quote unquote, good Light being introduced to the picture was such a good moment. And L still, you know, L still thinks like it's you, motherfucker. Like I don't care. Like, what is it? like it's you. Like what the get the fuck out of here. Like it don't. Like at no point. L still is looking at this motherfucker sideways. Like it's you. I don't know what changed about you in the last couple of days, but it's you. And I'm not letting go of that. No matter how nice you are, no matter how fucking fast you're solving this case, no matter how many things you find out that I didn't think about. Um, I don't care. It's you. <laughs> yeah, he was like all that bullshit aside. Like, yeah, like did he's, this shit. Yes. So, I thought that that was fantastic. I think the entire back and forth, the first twenty six episodes of Death Note, literally some of the best anime ever. 
like literally ever is up there with a tackle Titan and shit like that. I mean, it's the predecessor. It's so good. I have a lot of respect for Madhouse as well. Um, but when it comes down to it, at one point, Light tricks Rem, who's also an enemy of his, into killing L, and it kills both of them because if a deaf god saves a human, they die. So, like, Yagami Light, just being the god that he is, and killing two birds, one stone, literally, um, that scene was crazy. Also, because L knew he lost. Like, it's very clear that he was aware in the chapters and in the episodes leading up to his death. He realized that it was over. And they have that one scene in the anime where, like, he washes Light's feet. It's kind of like an allusion to God because uh, I think Jesus does something very similar. Uh, but, yeah, there's, like, they get, they get, they're really close and everything. But at this point, like, the Light is back. You know, he got his memories back. He's completely Kira again. And he's looking at this motherfucker like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I, I can't wait for you to die. Like, I'm ready. You know, he's been ready for this man to die the entire time. I cannot <laughs> wait for you to die. And all this is happening. Like, L's aware of it. And then that, there's that moment where Watari and, like, Watari's in one place and L is in his chair. You know, the way he sits in his chair the cool way with, like, his feet up and everything. And, uh, yeah, Rem writes his name and he fucking falls back slowly. Like, you get that shadow effect. Yeah, you get the heart spoon, like the spoon bouncing on the floor. Yep. And it's an, it's an iconic moment because a lot of people are L fans and you probably don't expect him to lose that way. Like you don't expect him to actually die. I don't they think anybody expected. At least I know when I was going through. I didn't. I did not expect. Okay. First of all, L dies. And then the story's not like the story goes on for another fucking however many chapters and episodes you're not like, and it's a I five was year, like there's a five-year time skip yeah i was like holy look i did not expect death note to continue like i thought the end of death note would be the conclusion that l light but yeah I thought the, l I dying that, basically in the middle is kind of crazy yeah and i also thought that l because of just how stories are normally written i thought that l was just going to win yeah, if I'm being same. honest, like I thought, L eventually was going to close in some brilliant, genius way and and win. I thought that he was actually going to win. I actually, I kind of wish that they did an anime of Death Note, like a full anime, not a movie or anything, where uh, L does win yeah. in some brilliant way. And it's just like it's 26 episodes. Maybe they don't have to do all 26, but I feel like little things should be changed so that it it kind of comes up with a that conclusion. So you know, maybe make it worthwhile so that that way when we're watching 26 episodes over again. There's things that do change that maybe light does and L finds out about, or he makes mistakes that eventually add up to him getting caught. And it's like a brilliant, you know, opposite of get the a, original a death story. note remake. Death note remake. Death I, note remake. I would be down for that, but that death impacted me a lot. Even though I don't like the character L, I wasn't really like, I won't say I was too happy about him dying. I just was kind of, I was just shocked. I was just fucking shocked. That's the word to use. I wasn't yeah. cheering about it or anything like that, even though I was firmly a Yagami Light fan. I was just blatantly shocked because he also killed Rem. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this guy is. I read that chapter in class because uh, I used to read Death Note all the time during art class. Um, Smart because my, uh, yeah, my art class was a fucking joke. Like it started off as like a real class, but then. The teacher got fired and there was like multiple different replacements and it just became a complete joke where nothing ever happened. So it was basically just a free period. Right. And uh, I would just read manga in there or blatantly play my DS. And so I read all of Death Note in art class. Um, Like I had the manga, like instead of 
Like I could have read them at home or whatever, but I purposely was like, oh, I'm going to read this volume in, in class tomorrow. <laughs> like, yep. So anyway, I remember reading that in class and just my jaw being open. I don't know how you held yourself together. That would have, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. I was, I couldn't, I was just staring. I was like, holy fucking shit. Like I'm looking at it and I'm rereading it. And, uh, and it's kind of funny when I think back on it, cause you say, I don't know how you hold yourself together. I don't really think I did. I just think that I didn't give a fuck about anybody else around me. Like, that's I'm how just, I would, 100%. Yeah. That's how it would be. <laughs> yeah. Like I was just sitting there reading and like they were doing their own thing. Yeah. That, I don't know if I'd have been able to hold it together, but yeah, uh, L's death is, is pretty big. I'm like, y'all can be liked death is also pretty big, but I don't think it's nearly as impactful as L's. It's kind of like you expect, I mean, this is the only way the story could end, right? Otherwise. Yeah. By yeah. the time he gets the lights death, you know, uh, it's over. Like the story's over. Yeah, that's the end of the story. And I mean, he dies from a mistake that like someone else made me comment and everything. It's like, all right, like it's it's fine. Like it's just, you know, it's fine. It's not it's not the best thing ever, but it's also not the worst. It's it's a I think it's a pretty decent ending. Um I I do wish that they just let the entire anime and or manga rather be L versus light instead of bringing in Nera Mello. But that's when we do our Death Note episode, which is actually coming up pretty soon. I I'm going to project that. I want to rewatch it, but I don't. I don't know if I want to rewatch literally episode one, to episode thirty-seven. I might. I might do like a YouTube review session where they just kind of. It's an easy watch, though. I don't know if you remember, but like week one when we first started this podcast, around that time, I had just recently rewatched Death Note, and it was such an easy watch. I'm sure it is. I rewatched it all so fast. Oh, trust me, I love Death Note, and this, the pro- my problem is once I start episode one. I can't stop watching it until I finish. (laughs) I have never once watched episode one of Death Note and just did not finish it completely. I don't stop. Some people are like, oh, I only watch it till like like L and Light. Like, no, I finished the entire thing because I actually enjoyed the entire thing. I think it's insane that for five years, y'all give me Light achieve peace in the world. Like, that's wild to me. Um, So the whole time, like, I like everything. The time skip everything. Uh, But yeah, Death Note, L like that was very iconic death, very uh big moment I think in manga history. Uh, so let's jump over to another medium. We have uh, Game of Thrones, mm. and when I you were think, talking about Jiraiya, because I'm assuming you're doing a fucking talk about Ned Stark right here, right? Oh, oh, that's right. You don't have access yeah. to my like I have a list here. Yeah, like, I don't you see don't your list. Know. And there's a lot of death in Game of Thrones, so it's kind of cool to me that without me saying it to you or like showing it to you, you just knew that this is, it literally says Ned Stark Game of Thrones on my little list. Yeah, it, it has to be Ned Stark. And the, when you were, I'm ha- I'm actually happy now that I didn't bring it up. When you were talking about Jariah, one of the first things I thought about was Ned Stark because when you were sitting there and you're talking about how like something's going to happen, someone's going to save him, like something's going to happen so Jariah doesn't die. Yes. I remember myself and I think everybody I've ever talked to including the same me. thing about Ned Stark. Yes. Like something's going to happen. Like he's yeah. not like someone's going to save him. The, like some kind of intervention. I mean, Rob Stark had, you know, he's winning <laughs> battles and shit like that against Tywin. So it was sounding good. It was sounding like, all right, like, you know, maybe Rob is going to storm King's Landing and somehow get Ned free. I don't, I don't know. I thought something was going to happen. This is me being, uh, I mean, not just me, but all of us being naive to how <laughs> dark Game of Thrones was going to be and became really quick we just didn't know how bad game of thrones could really get up until that point the deaths that you see you know there's some good ones in there like um 
uh, the guy pushing, you know, he pushed the guy out the moon, the moon, the wind, you know, the moon door or whatever, and he falls down. Uh, that part's like, okay, that's a cool death. There's, you know, other shit going on. Uh, the hound kills the butcher's boy, the butcher's which, boy. Yeah. which was crazy. He's like, oh, you you ran him down on a horse and everything like that. And he's like, he didn't run very fast. Like, just those those whole lines. Like, there's, so disrespectful. It was. Like, there's, a, there's a lot of death in season one, but none of it quite compares to Ned Stark, <clears throat> especially because, and even in our Game of Thrones episode, we say this, he's the main character up until this point. Like, he is very clearly the main character of the show. Yeah. And it's not until, you know, he gets beheaded that you realize, like, oh, God, like, what is this actually? And, you know, Jon Snow, Daenerys, and Tyrion become the main character. But, uh... Well, yeah, watching this show, going through it, I a million percent felt Ned Stark was the main character. And you're what, Dude... I think I said this in the Game of Thrones episode. Like I was expect, like each ago, somebody needed to come save him. Like yes. I thought, I thought some like if you want some action, like I thought somebody was going to save Goku. Like I don't any like anything. I thought somebody was coming to save my man. I did not expect him to die, and that should definitely hurt me. And they just show his fucking head roll. Like yes. the way they show his head roll is so disrespectful. And also Arya, I'm pretty sure Arya, she's watching it happen. Yep. And uh, she passes out, I believe. Like, she literally faints from this. Like, she, like, climbs up on top of a statue to get, like, she can't see over the crowd. Yeah, the yeah, crowd she's like, watching. The crowd, the crowd is, like, calling for it. You know how it is in mob mentality. They're calling yeah. for his death. They want it. And Joffrey, at first, he's like, you know, my mother is a woman, and she's weak. Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. Like, you know, this is, different. This, this is a different time. He was wild. Cancel culture is not around yet. And uh, my man just, he got up there and just said what he wanted to say. And I was like, you know, those are the weak emotions of a woman. And he goes and says, but I am, you know, I am a king. And as a king, like this man is treasonous and everything. And he cuts Ned's head off. He has Ned's head cut off by the same sword that Ned used to cut off somebody's head in episode one. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who, a deserter, as they call him, he deserted his, uh, his group because of the White Walkers. And that's, that's punishable by death. So yeah, Ned said if you're there's that whole omen about if you're going to send someone to death, you need to be the one who swings the sword. Mm-hmm. But as we know, Joffrey does not ever really kill anybody that he sentences to death except the prostitute, which is only in the show and not in the books at all. She's not even a character. But in the in the show, he does kill that one prostitute with his crossbow, who was like an informant to Lord Varys and also an informant to uh Littlefinger. <laughs> uh but but yeah. He like he doesn't he sends people to death, but he doesn't kill them himself. And I guess that's like, you know how in Game of Thrones they have those things of like, oh, this is an omen, like killing somebody who you invited over and, and gave them food is like a big thing in Game of Thrones. It's like an omen to do that. Like that's a bad bad juju. Uh, so I guess the same thing was true with Ned Stark being killed by Joffrey like that. So you know Joffrey gets his come up. It's later on season four episode two. Never forget it. And I, yeah, I couldn't believe the season. Not opened, but basically opened. It basically with that. did though. Like no, you're it, it really did open like that. Like <laughs> it really did though. Like episode two, my man got poisoned and killed and he died terribly. I couldn't believe it. Look, when he because it was just the beginning of the season. I'm watching it and I could I was like, holy shit, like Joffrey is dying, dying. Like, yeah, like he's when, yeah. out of here. <laughs> he was choking. I, you know, I got happy. Um, and this is really sadistic because he's a kid, but I don't give a fuck. That character, nah, was, fuck he him, can yeah. rot in hell. Fuck that him. character was fucking awful. 
So yeah, when Joffrey was done, I was like, yes. I actually think I said it just like that. So I was like, yes. 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 Like I was yeah. getting gradually more happy as I was watching it. Yeah, uh, those little bitch characters that have too much <laughs> yeah, power yes. and like nothing to back it up. I fucking hate those guys. Drag so them. Much. Get them. So fuck. Like I during the one war, the Battle of Blackwater Bay, I believe it's called. Yeah, it's literally and he's supposed to be on the front lines and all that other shit and like fighting with his then people. Then his mom calls him back. And then, yeah, and he's like, oh, oh, well, I just have to go see mother. I yep. must go see my mother. And yep. just fucking runs off. And like the hound looks bitch. up at him and like realizes how much of a coward he is. And he says, fuck the king. Yep. I love that. Because he's, you know, and the hound also saw fire right before that moment. But yeah, not to get too invested in this, we're going to have another Game of Thrones episode. Of course, there's so much to talk about on this, but Ned Stark's death. And also, I guess, since we talked about it, Joffrey's death. Two crazy iconic fictional deaths that had a huge impact on the entire fan base, of course. Uh, people cheered for one and people cried for the other. Oh, yes. I can't imagine. I need what's crazy is there's so many people that exist on Earth. I guess there has to be someone that was happy when Ned died. I want to talk to yeah, that. Of course. Person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, I'm sure. Okay. So we could talk about this. Let's just spend a little time on this. Um, when I rewatch Game of Thrones, right? Because, you know, after you see it so many times, you start to notice everything. Obviously, knowing that it's a game, how Cersei says, you either win or you die. There is no middle ground. You obviously go back and you watch and notice all of the mistakes he makes. Mm -hmm. And that kind of makes me not as uh, sentimental or, or sympathetic towards his death. Like, when I watch it now... I kind of get annoyed at Ned more than I am like sad for him mm-hmm. uh, uh, because he makes some really grave mistakes. Littlefinger literally offers him the, the gold cloaks, which would be the end of everything. Like that's it. He who controls the army controls the, the fucking crown. That's, that's, that's literally how it goes. That's why Tywin was stronger than Joffrey. Like when he comes out in season three and everything, season four, um, Tywin controls the army and like what the fuck are you going like you're a child like even though you are the king and all that great stuff like they aren't, they listen to me <laughs> and also you're a child and I'm your grandfather and I'm not fucking scared of you in any way like in At any all. fucking fathomable way like I'm not even slightly remotely afraid of you that's just not a thing um, so yeah when I watch all the mistakes he made blatantly telling Cersei about his plans when Robert got back from his trip and how you need to leave and go in exile and he's going to chase you for the rest of your life. Just all of this crazy shit. He he made a lot of mistakes. Also saying like, I'm not going to, at first he was very uh, stubborn about the whole Joffrey not being the real heir to the throne. And even Varys tried to talk him, you know, like you need to go back on your word and he wouldn't do it. And then eventually, after being in captivity in that fucking basement next to his own shit and piss for mm. days and days and days, and probably being like underfed and just treated really badly, he eventually comes around and is like, look, I'll do it. I'll say it. But at that point, it's too late because, you know, Joffrey still beheads him. Um, yeah, I just I just think like I don't hate the character. Like, Don't get me wrong. I don't hate him. But I definitely don't. He just didn't play the game well. So I don't yeah. care about him in that regard. Like I, when I first watched it, I was like, damn. I'm, yeah, you have the power of hindsight now. Yep, hindsight is it's very powerful. It makes me look at the character like you played the game pretty awfully, actually. Like for someone who twice in the story, Ned was able to literally be the king of the Seven Kingdoms twice. He had two chances. One, when the Kingslayer first killed the Mad King and he could have just sat on the throne and that would have been the end of it. And when Robert Baratheon died and he could have wrote whatever the fuck he wanted. <laughs> he really got it. Um, but yeah, so 
And, you know, actually, excuse me, he did write what he wanted. I remember when Robert Ratchet is telling him what to write, they're telling you what Robert is writing. I mean, what, uh, what Ned is writing. And it's not actually verbatim what Robert, he actually changes things up. Yeah, he changed, the main thing he changes is, is uh, he says, like, my son Joffrey, and then he says, like, my rightful, and then Ned writes, like, my rightful heir. Yes, and he also says until, he said he, I will be, uh, like, the one who watches over the Seven Kingdoms until the rightful heir comes of age. Yep. So, yes, he definitely does write whatever the fuck he wants. He just doesn't go as ham as he needs to go <laughs> and take a little finger up on his offer. That way Cersei has no power. And then when they go into that, you know, the room, the, uh, the throne room, he doesn't get backstabbed by a little finger and a gold cloak. So they don't turn on him and kill all his men. But yeah. So that's that's uh, Game of Thrones. That's Ned Stark's death. And yeah, I don't feel as empathetic towards him. Uh, where do we want to go from here? We got a couple. So should we do Ace from One Piece? We could do Ace. I, I actually, so last night while I was just doing random shit uh, and thinking about this episode, I fucking, I ran through my head like a whole One Piece rant leading up to Ace. Like, it, you know, you know, I can rant for One Piece. So well, I'll let you actually lead on this one because you know more about the events leading up to it and like him getting captured by Blackbeard and everything, like the whole, the whole thing. Him being a white beer pirate, just there's a lot. So that, from, yeah. Yeah, for me, I think the bi- the biggest and kind of the most important part about Ace's death is um, the impact it has on Luffy, the main character, obviously. Yes. Ace is Luffy's brother, um, as you find out. What's cool is that you start in One Piece, you have Luffy, he gains all of these crew members. By the time you made Ace, it's well over 100 episodes before yes. you even find out Luffy has a brother. And the rest of his crew was like, you have a fucking brother? And they introduce Ace. He's really cool, really likable. Um, he has some good moments. He gives him like this piece of paper, and you know what the fuck it is. And he says like, "Meet me at the summit." And all of this shit happens, right? The thing that I, one of the things I think is cool about Ace is, and I guess the whole story Otis sets up for his eventual death is there's little pieces strewn throughout that make his death really, really impactful when it finally comes to fruition. Uh, one of the first things is Ace's tattoo on his bicep. Um, it's his name, but it's spelled wrong. It's it's uh, A-C and then S with an X through it, and then E. So it's Ace with, like, randomly an S in there. And for a long time, people were like, what the fuck is that even for? Um, go all the way forward. Ace is Luffy's brother. Uh, they have a grandfather named Garth, etc. All this shit. Their father is Dragon, the most wanted man in the world. And so you go all, like, all these things happen, and then Luffy has a crew of, like, nine people at this point. They've gone through all these things. He basically loses his whole crew. He gets sent away to Amazon Lily, a whole other island. On this island, he figures out that Ace got captured by Blackbeard, turned into the world government, and then Luffy goes on this 100-episode romp of trying to save his brother. Yep. And there's all of these events that happen in between that I don't have time to get, get all into, but some really important moments is at this point in time, you truly believe that they're blood related. Uh, you don't really get why they have a different name because his name's Port Goss D Ace instead of yes. like Monkey D Ace. But you know that Monkey D Garp, Luffy's grandpa, you know that Ace also calls him grandpa and Garp refers to him as his grandchild. Um, and you know, Luffy doesn't really even know anything about his dad, Dragon. But you just kind of assume Dragon is Ace's dad as well. They set up a whole storyline where, you know, Ace becomes part of the Whitebeard Pirates. 
And all of the members of the Whitebeard Pirates refer to Whitebeard as father. So there's this just amazing setup. And then you finally get to Ace's execution. And they have him sitting on top of the summit of, you know, the Marine headquarters. And um, they want to make his death, like, really meaningful and impactful throughout the world. And they want to try to use his death to kill the Age of Pirates. And so as they're getting ready to execute Ace, Fleet Admiral Sengoku is, like, telling Ace to tell the world who his father is. And before this, you find out that Ace hates his dad. And you don't, you don't know why, but you don't really know anything about Dragon. So all of this setup is happening, and as they're asking who Ace's father is, he's saying, like, my father is Whitebeard. They're like, that's not your dad. Like, who's your dad? Yeah. And this whole time, you're sitting there like, holy shit, like, what is happening? You know, Luffy's gone through everything to try to save his brother, and all, all the while, he has no idea where his crew is. He even, like, apologizes to himself where he says, like, you guys have to wait a little longer. Like, I have to go save Ace. Um, and he doesn't even know where his crew is. So anyway, they reveal, like, Ace's true name is Gold D. Ace, and he took his mother's surname. And so he's actually the child of Gold Roger, and him and Luffy aren't blood-related. And this has a pretty big moment, because I know early on people suspected Luffy would be, like, Gold Roger's son or something. And Yeah, I see. I guess people would think that. I mean, this is the previous Pirate King, after all. Yeah. And something I thought was cool was that um, it, it's funny, because... I always thought, like, if if it was revealed Luffy was Gold Roger's son, it'd be really cheesy. But making Ace Gold Roger's son ended up being really fucking cool, just the way it was written and the way it tied together. But during the whole Marine Ford War, you have all the Whitebeard pirates, all this incredible stuff happened. We talked about Whitebeard's death in one of the previous episodes. But Luffy goes through everything. He finally saves Ace. There's a huge impact around the world with him being Gold Roger's son. And then finally, um, they're almost home free. But Akainu basically baits Ace in to fighting, and he like is calling Whitebeard a coward and like besmirching his name. They end up fighting, and Ace ends up dying, and it puts Luffy into absolute trauma. Like he gets, like he just is traumatized. He fall, falls unconscious, and all of the exhaustion because Luffy was running off pure adrenaline. Basically, all of the exhaustion and energy he output throughout everything leading up to this washes over him and he just completely falls out uh because like he basically fails and there's there's just so many moving parts to ace's death and then uh, let me jump in real quick yeah yeah, i i agree with everything you said like there's a lot that went into ace's death uh in a weird way this is also one of the first times that i saw a logia fruit user get critically wounded Yes, because Ace is the the mirror mirror no my, so he's the you know the flame flame fruit, and Akainu I would say is a step above that because he's, he's like magma. Lava. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah the magma fruit. So you know magma is definitely you know more. They even say was, they say like I, I think Ace says it like Akainu is burning my flame, like he is burning my flames. Like he's, okay, so they establish that they're like you know we already know all double fruits are not created equal. Very clear. Yeah, Moker got fucked. I always say that. Uh, but <laughs> when you look at Ace versus Akainu, it's a bad matchup, basically, is what you learn. Yeah, because Akainu is just like bigger, I guess. You know, like he's just yeah, a stronger. I mean, Magma's also not just like fire, right? Yeah. Like it's it's more of a rock in there, too. Like there is actual matter in there that's not just flame. It's not just flame. Whereas like he's literally just fire, but Magma is more of a mixture of things. 
and like, like it's hotter everything about it it's hotter it's thicker for what it's worth like it you know magma is definitely more terrifying than a fire mm-hmm. uh you know putting out you know quote unquote, putting out magma right is not done with just shooting i don't know a bit of a water hose at it and hoping for, hoping for the best like that yeah, shit yeah. Is, it's very destructive it's way more destructive than just regular fire so yeah i, th- I think that's really cool it's like the first time you see uh so like damage to a logia user on this level and also like like the trauma that luffy goes through akainu being established as a really big villain in my head as soon as this happened and then how whitebeard responds to the death everything surrounding it is really crazy blackbeard's yeah. part in the death when you all of the things leading up to it when you see like luffy luffy rushing because he's up on the execution stand and luffy's rushing the execution stand and garp is up there and uh Garp basically throws a fight to Luffy. Like he just lets Luffy punch him out of the way. Um, but all the things that are just happening, Luffy gets there and he like finally makes it to Ace to free him. And then in, in the anime, the animation on when they free Ace becomes like movie level animation. Like it's yeah. a normal anime. Then when Ace gets freed and like he does, he makes like the whitebeard symbol with the fire and like shoots through it. It looks crazy. It's fucking movie level. Yeah. And when uh when Akainu kills Garp, I mean not kills Garp, kills Ace, Garp's reaction because Sengoku, if I were, I think Sengoku ends up holding Garp down because Garp is like I'm going to kill that boy. Like Garp, <laughs> Garp is ready to straight murder <laughs> Akainu. Like it is over. And Garp is a he's a vice admiral in the Marines. Like he's he's ready to come. And I don't know. For me, it's like don't get it twisted. Garp would. Beat the, I think Garp would beat the shit out of Akainu. Like, I, 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 I want to see him fight. Because now that we know about hockey and everything, it really... Because yeah. uh, as far as we know, Garp doesn't have a devil fruit. And every time I think about One Piece, the interesting thing about One Piece as well, it's not like the quirkless people in My Hero Academia, right? Uh, where if you're quirkless, you're just ass. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing you can do. Like You're just, you're just ass. Um, to the point where it's so bad if you're one of the 20% of people born without a quirk. In One Piece, though, Oda found a way to make people who do not have a devil fruit sometimes stronger than people who do, and actually oftentimes stronger than people who do. I'm not <laughs> sometimes like Shanks and fucking Garp and uh, Silva's Rayleigh. There's plenty. There's plenty of examples yeah, of people who are just, they're stronger than most devil fruit users. So Garp threatening Akainu basically is not to be taken lightly in this world. It's like, oh, how could you do anything to this magma? Once you find out about hockey, it's like, well, yeah, Garp can throw hands. And it's cool because they established pretty early on that for whatever reason, Garp, like Garp can hurt Luffy because Luffy throughout the whole series, like normal punches or whatever don't really hurt him. And he says, like, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, my grandpa's punches hurt. And then Garp says, it's because I have the fist of love. <laughs> and the whole time, this motherfucker is an arm The punch is grandson. That's funny. Yes. Though. I mean, but, hard, um, clearly hard knock life. But Ace's death... Is so Ace actually doesn't have a ton of screen time in One Piece. No, but the the bit of screen time he does have, I think, is impactful, and the effect that it has on Luffy going forward um, is really like larger. I, I'm trying to find a better word, but when we go, what sort of the the epilogue to Ace's death? When you have Luffy on the island with Jinbei, and he's like crying, he's like, "I have nothing left." Like, he, you know, the, like Ace is gone. And then Jinbei reminds him, like, you like, no, you still like you still have people left. And he thinks of his friends, he thinks of his crew, 
um, you know, Zoro, Sanji, Nami, etc. Uh, and it, it re-inspires him, like, keep going forward in for his crew and to, like, come back even stronger. And he goes, like, trains for two years to come back and save his crew. And then that's when we get the flashback and we find out about this isn't the first brother Luffy lost. Like, he lost Sabo. And to me, this is one of the coolest things that Ace had, like, a tribute to Sabo tattooed on his arm from the first time you saw him. Yep. And this is one of those things where Oda... It's one of the reasons why One Piece is so good. He he knows what the story is 10 years ahead of time. Like, there was an homage to Sabo tattooed on Ace's arm 10 years before the name Sabo was brought into the series. Like, it's fucking crazy to yeah. me. Yeah, really good um, And then, like, I don't know, I guess one other thing for Ace is uh, in the time skip, one of Luffy's... The first, like, finisher Luffy uses to finish off the first... Uh, time skip arc, the uh, Fishman Island arc, he yeah. uses Red Hawk uh, on Hody Jones. And Red Hawk is he essentially inflames. Like, I still don't fully understand the mechanics yeah, of it. I don't know but, if it's actually because he uses it again and it's still on fire. So, I like, I don't know if he's just like he's literally creating so much friction between his arm and the air that like it ignites on fire or what, or if that's but, just some visual that we're seeing but it's not real. Yeah, I don't know what is happening, but he red Hawks, uh, Hody Jones. And I think I talked about this before, but the, I think it's the kanji, the kanji of red Hawk, when it's written, it can be actually read. So the name of the movie is red Hawk, but when you read it, you can also read it as fire fist. So the move itself is a direct, um, homage to his brother ACE because he was called fire fist ACE. And so Red Hawk literally also stands for Fire Fist when read in Japanese. Yeah. And uh, in the anime, they can't really, when you watch an anime, they don't have like translation notes um, like they do when you're reading. I mean, they don't even have it in the official translation of the mangas. That's really only in fan fan translations. Yeah. Which the is way they, read anyway. <laughs> the way they do it in the anime, because the anime is audible and you don't read, you're not reading the way the word is written. Uh, when Luffy does red hawk in the anime it's like blinking between him and ace and it's like showing ace doing a punch at the same time as luffy doing a punch so it's pretty cool yep really good stuff i i, I love uh all of the stuff surrounding ace and luffy and even though like you said he doesn't have a lot of screen time so that was one of my grabs with demon slayer and goku dying and i don't really care about it because he was just kind of there and then dead the the major difference is that even though ace didn't have a lot of screen time uh he ends up having a lot leading up to him and surrounding him there's an entire arc for there's just... multiple arcs yes yeah really yes like actually yes because all of impal down and then yeah the like you said we, we skipped all of that but yes there's a lot that leads up but it's all for ace's sake mm-hmm. and to be clear when you get to the actual war and ace is there and he's prisoner there's a lot of like Luffy screaming, hey, Sue, like, you know, I'm going to save you and everything. There's a lot of that and a lot of this like want to save this guy that he actually does free him at one point. And there, I'm talking about this is like 20 plus episodes before Ace is fully killed. Like there's plenty, yeah. like there's plenty of stuff in the war that happens. And again, this is really all for Ace's sake. Because obviously Whitebeard, his fucking father, shows up. To, you know, yeah. like, you with, know with, with his fucking platoon, like yes. Whitebeard and the twelve division commanders, like they brought all <laughs> all three all three admirals come out. There's a lot that surrounds Ace's death. Whereas, again, Rogoku kind of ran into, unfortunately, the number three 
upper moon and just got bodied and it was it was literally random like it wasn't it wasn't planned <laughs> out to us i mean it was, it was like quite literally random the train stopped and a fucking number three just happened to be there and then he bodied him and it was like okay like yeah it sucks hashira just died but at the same time i mean i just met this hashira like quite literally i just met this guy if it was tamioka giyu maybe i'll feel a little bit more but not even him dying that early would really impact me to be honest um but ace like being introduced and being in you know introduced hundreds of chapters before his actual death like i think that that's more than enough development <laughs> yeah because he's introduced super and when he's introduced immediately you see sort of um like the love and happiness that luffy has for him like they're really excited yeah. they're they're having all this fun ace is just kind of like a cool like he's cool as shit yeah he's just cool there's he's over got, like, 100 chapters hat. leading to his death yeah and then he isn't really in the series but you you know he's around uh and then you know you see glimpses of him and then finally yeah when he gets captured, when Luffy finds out Ace is captured, there is an entire arc, the Impel Down arc, of Luffy breaking in to the most fortified prison in the One Piece world. He breaks into it to try to free Ace. By the time he gets to where Ace was held, he figures that Ace was already transferred to Marineford. And then there's the whole next arc, the Marineford arc, where Whitebeard shows up and and then Whitebeard's war takes place. Yep. All right. Well, let us pivot off of... One Piece, because we, as you guys clearly can tell, the rest of the episode could just be One Piece. So I don't want to get yeah, too. Rough. That's why I'm like, I'm like bouncing all around because like I want to just stick to the the important parts of the topic. Yeah, it's hard. But I could just, I could just fucking give a whole deep dive on all the implications to that arc, and I'm trying to avoid doing that because yeah. there's other things to talk about. All right, well, how about this? So we've done a couple deaths now. I want to give a shout-out to our patrons over at Patreon real quick, uh, mid-episode. So we have Connie, Austin, uh, Leon, Quest, Garen, Xavier, Hylian, TCG Automotive, Silver Chronic, Tyree Tinsley, Dimitri, Alexander, and our newest one, Vinny, uh, one of my good friends from the Alternate Universe Local. He just recently joined this week. We actually got three new patrons in just this week alone, which I'm really fucking happy about. Uh, all three, Vinny, Alexander Brissett, and Dimitri Barnes all joined this week. So shout out to you guys especially, and shout out to the ones who have been holding us down for literally months. Some of you have been here as early as August 7th, August 10th, August 17th. It is now November. So some of you have been with us, and I'm talking about at the highest tier at that. Some of you have been with us for months. Okay, almost as long as the, really as long as the podcast has been active, which is fucking fantastic. So shout out to you guys, the early birds, the the ones who came in just recently, everybody who's contributed in between. We appreciate and love all of you. I just want to give you guys a yes. shout out. As always, every episode, all of the patrons get a shout out. Um, so yeah, there's that. Hell yeah. I'm trying to get to the point where, you know, we got a fucking schedule time for it. You're like, all right. So now to read off a hundred names. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> that's that's going to happen eventually. It's kind of funny. Uh, one of the guys I follow or subscribe to on YouTube, at the end of every video, he goes over all of his patrons and he does a, a screen scroll of it. Like it just kind of scrolls on the screen. But yeah. he reads out the top two tiers, like the top two tiers that, you know, you can subscribe to. He reads those ones out. But the, what, the I guess the like the bottom two tiers he has, he doesn't read those. They just kind of scroll. And it's so... <laughs> so you're still like giving a shout out it's just not a verbal shout out but then after it scrolls he does a verbal shout out for all of the top and he has so many uh subscribers on patreon so it's like literally i want to say like the last four minutes of all of his videos are just <laughs> him saying names and he speeds it up too to make it kind of funny it doesn't help it doesn't help 
It's so you, know, you got to roll the credits at the end of the movie. You got to roll the credits because you got to give support to the people that made the movie possible. Yeah, and that's that's what uh the shout out on Patreon is. So if you guys have our link tree, or if you just want to find us on Patreon, it's just I am there a podcast on Patreon. We should come right up. Uh, but yeah, if you want to subscribe for exclusive content that we have on there, it's great. We're also going to do another exclusive Patreon episode soon. I want to record it next week if possible. It just depends on if our schedules open up. Uh, but if not next week, then literally the week after, because after that is Thanksgiving. So we're going to do another exclusive episode this month. So that'll be two in a month in November, just to kind of catch up on the whole exclusive episodes thing, because I want to make sure that, you know, like I said, October was a wash. <laughs> October was like a crazy month. But now we're, you know, we're back to normal. And I just want to do that for you guys to make sure that you have everything that you should be getting. And uh, yeah, that's just like another exclusive October, episode on the Patreon. October was dry, yo. Yeah, October was dry. October also <laughs> came and went. Sure. October was Rengoku. God damn. That shit literally came and went so quick. But let's let's do a quick death. So, or I guess just a quick fucked up moment too. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Full Metal Alchemist. I love Brotherhood, like the the end, the mid cards, like when the commercial would show up. Mm-hmm. It's like Full Metal Alchemist, and then when the commercial comes out, it's like Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that, that shit I do makes actually. me laugh every time. Oh, uh, what was the one guy's name? <laughs> oh my god! For who what, was it? Thomas like? or was it Peter or something like that? The one guy's name they said is so serious, but he's like a doctor or a scientist in Full Metal um, Alchemist. God damn it, I can't remember his name, but he's he's one of the he's one of those things like in the middle of the episode where they say his name twice. God <laughs> damn it, I wish I could remember it. It's so funny though when they said it. I was like, they can't be serious. This guy's not that he's not I that important. I don't remember. Oh, I, I do remember the moment. I don't remember the guy's name though. I actually do remember the moment that you're talking about. Yes. But I don't they say his name his all name. serious and everything. Yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, so Nina Tucker, uh the daughter of this one fucking I don't <sighs> even know. Daughter of Shal Tucker. Yeah. What? Uh, what do you call him? Yeah. Like what? A, what was his profession? He's a state alchemist. He's a state alchemist. Okay. Yeah. He well, was a state alchemist, and the reason he became a state alchemist, th- dude, through- dude, the way it is set up is so fucked up. Because Ed and Al go there, and they're studying, and they're trying to learn about the philosopher's stone and and human transportation, transmutation, all this shit, and they find out like he created a chimera, and then they tell you the story that like his his wife left him, and all this other shit. And then Ed starts putting the timeline together toward the end, especially after he finds Nina. But like he became a state alchemist by, by straight, doing this, by killing his wife, by fusing his wife, by making his wife a chimera, and then just and then just dogging his wife in the street, saying that his dog, his wife left his family for money. Like, oh, I didn't have much money, so my wife left me. It's like yeah. that is not why the fuck. He's like, a you, terrible person. Yeah, like you took your your daughter's mother away. To, to get your state alchemist uh, license. And then when you were about to lose it, when like fucking shit was hitting the fan, they were going to take your state, they were going to take his license away um, because he wasn't making any progress because he wasn't able to do it without using a human. He fucking fuses his own daughter with his dog and Jesus Christ. Just like, ru- like ruins her life. Like when you, when Ed, Edward Elric walks into the room, and you see the dog with the long hair, and then the dog is like Edward, like it can barely fucking talk. Yeah, dude, this moment is so fucked up. It's real fucked, uh, and I do consider it to be the death of his daughter Nina. Um, well, I mean, she does end up dying. Yeah, that's true. A scar. Yeah, 
It's a really Scar fucked up moment. Scar paints the wall red. Jesus. Honestly, this is probably top five most fucked up moments in all of anime ever. It might be number one on most people's lists. It's really I'm talking up. about in all anime. Like up there with Aizen switching out himself for Hinamori for no fucking reason, unprovoked. Um, just fu- like when I think about fucked up moments, like just moments that are kind of uncalled for, right? Like they're this is not necessary in any way. Like, why are you doing this? The sadistic shit like that. This is top five. Nina being turned into, or I guess what, fused with a dog. You know, what makes it bad is that obviously people have a different emotional reaction to things when children are involved. Like if he, you know, if, if there's like a serial killer that's killing kids or whatever, there's going to be an emotional reaction to that, right? If he did this exact same thing to a random kid, there would still be a strong emotional reaction. But what makes it really bad is that it's his daughter. It's just like the level of trust and love yeah. that is there. It's like his daughter has, you know, un, like unparalleled trust for her father, right? Yeah, Loves it's her, her father. dad, for God's and, sake. And, and then the dog, and there's, they do a great job, especially in the first Full Metal Alchemist anime. They do a great job at building this moment up because Ed and Al spend some time there. They're studying. You get a lot of like really nice downtime with them where, you get to see, because Ed and Al are only like 14, 13 years old, and they spend so much time being forced into the world of adults. But in this little mini arc, you get to see them as children. Like Ed's playing with the dog, and they're playing with the with the, with the daughter. And they just have this really human, like childlike moment. They're like 14 years old. Yeah. And you spend time with, with these characters, and then to, to have their trust completely betrayed by their father, of all people. Um and then you realize, like, he did that to his own wife. And he has no remorse. Like, he has no. this low, whispering voice. He's like, you know what it is, too, Edward. Like, this is what it means to be an alchemist. And he just starts fucking ranting. Which is a really twisted way, uh, because, you know, what they did trying to bring their mom back and everything. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that he tries to relate himself in some way to them. Yes. Um, it's not the same at all. Like, not even a little bit. Uh, yeah, because so, he's he's acting like we like oh we both did human transmutation. It's like it's not the same. No, like I was seven trying to bring my mom back to life. You murdered, so to speak, your wife and daughter. Yeah, you also were a grown ass man. Let's be clear. Yeah, you're. He's he's like thirty seven. Like he's not a day under. Yeah, he's got a bald spot. Like he. Yeah, not a fucking day under. Uh, all right. So that's yeah. That's. That's Full Metal Alchemist. And I want to jump to... Let's do Hunter Hunter. Mm. Uh, obviously, the most influential death, most iconic death in Hunter Hunter is Kite, right? Like, there's no... I wouldn't even say that Netero's death is as crazy as Kite's. Because when Netero... Yeah. Like, you kind of expect... you ex- Actually, you do expect Netero to die, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. When he's fighting Merowim, and especially once he starts losing limbs, like, you know... You it, know you where he's going. You, you know, know exactly where it's, where it's going. It's not really a shock. Also, when he went to go fight the king after seeing before that, they definitely show you how strong the king is. And when he goes to fight him, I do, you know, I, I did have my expectation like Netero is going to be beast. But even Netero said they didn't do all this crazy training to get back in shape and stuff. It was honestly, they definitely did allude to him dying. It wasn't yeah. really a bit like when he, it wasn't really that big of a shock. Um, it didn't but, take long, honestly, for like, even if, you ignore everything else. It didn't take long to realize like Netero is smacking the shit out of the king. And yeah. the king just gets up, dusts himself off, and sits back down and he goes, Let's talk about it. <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's real disrespectful. Like the the king gets slapped around and he goes and sits back down and he goes, 
take a seat and we can talk. It's like, oh, oh, this is fucked up. It's very ominous. You you feel it. Um, yeah. When I first watched anime, you know I watched anime probably 2014 or 2015 when me and Medina lived together. So it was it was actually in the last seven or so years. Um, and the anime I believe the Hunter Hunter like remake came out in 2011. So yep, kind of late to the party on Hunter Hunter, but is in my top five of all time anime. I just love it. It's so good. Uh, Kite being like a teacher to uh, Gon and Killua and also a protector of them. Uh, and also them showing him killing a ton of chimera ants at once. You want to talk about uncalled for unexpected out of nowhere death. Like they were, they were big chilling. Yes, they were. I thought, <laughs> they, I thought they were as safe as like, I don't know, Naruto standing next to Jiraiya in the third Hokage or some shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's no world. You know, like who? no one can attack and get Naruto through these two. Um, so when you see Kite, especially after they got jumped by a bunch of Chimera and officers and he just offed all of them with that tornado shit. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God. And, then, you know, right before that, you see Gon and Killua, they each fight a Chimera officer or whatever, and they struggle pretty, you know, harshly. They both win. But it's a struggle. Yep, and Kite just offs them. Like it's I mean, not, a, it's not even in, a thing. It's multiple. Okay, and he <laughs> just he kills a bunch of them, and I was like, oh, well, this guy is like fucking insane. And also, his thing is like based on luck and all that. So I was like, yep. wow, he he actually killed them with. He he complains about the number he gets. I think that's part of his personality that no matter what he gets, he yeah. Come. I think every time we've seen him roll the dice, like he's like, ah, oh, I got this one. Yeah, I think he's one of those people that uh, even when he's winning, he complains. I know <laughs> there's some duelists like that. Billy Brick. But there's some duelists like that that even when they're beating you, they will fucking complain. Like they, you'll draw a pot of Everest because you're top, like you're top deck. You have no cards on field and no <clears> cards in hand. You are literally top decking. And this person is plus six on you. They have six cards total between field and hand. And you'll draw a pot of Everest. And they got the fucking nerve to complain about it. Like, if you don't get the fuck on, so that's Kite. Kite is like, I'm winning, but damn it, I could have been winning easier. <laughs> so yeah, Kite, Kite is pretty cool. He's pretty powerful. And and uh, you haven't seen any of the Royal Guard yet. No, you and have not. I think that this, this, for me, outside of Dragon Dive, this is definitely the most iconic moment, I think, in the entire, well, for, for me anyway, Dragon Dive is fucking wild. I just think that that is like, God, God level anime scene. But this scene, when Neferopito is first introduced, really, uh, <laughs> Kite sensing her from a distance, like her nun, and then seeing it, the actual silhouette of it is like this fucking wild, chaotic energy that's literally covering the top of this mountain. It looks ridiculous. It's also gigantic. And it says the word malice. Malice. And it's shaking. It's, it's like fucking malice. shaking. And it just says, and it, like the kanji's there, and then in English it's like malice. <laughs> when I saw that, uh, and then when she strengthens her legs, you remember how thick her legs get? Oh, that's the part I remember when she like crouches and her thighs like bulge the fuck out. They get so big. It reminds Dude. me of Goku. Oh my god! When Goku and then she's like, up. Like the jump is she, so crazy. In one jump, she's so far away, mind you. I cannot stress how far away she is. She's so yeah. fucking far away. Um, but like she jumps forward because she senses kite specifically and she gets excited because she wants to, you know, fight somebody strong. She jumps forward, man. And kite senses that shit. He tells them like, yo, run. Like, you know run. what I mean? And like, in that moment, his, he loses an arm. Like, yes. He loses his arm right there. He senses her. And then also she's there before they could fully 
react because they're like, we're not abandoning you. What the fuck? You know what I mean? Like they're stubborn at first. Yeah. And then she fucking lands and rips off one of his arms immediately. It's- and, uh, <laughs> you know, he explains the situation to, to both of them. Cause I guess he just knows like, this is, this is awful. This her <laughs> men, like they couldn't fully comprehend it, but her shit was next, 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 next level. And, uh, they run. And she's like focused on kite anyway. Like she doesn't even really care about the children. She doesn't realize how much of a threat gone is going to be. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> so she is completely, she's like her, she's, she's a cat and her eyes and everything. When she's like kind of down in that crouch position, she's frantic looking like the cat, like the she's big so eye. Scary, yo. She, I think, I think that she is the scariest member of the world. She scares me so fucking much. She is very scary. I think that she inspires so much fear between this scene and every scene that follows up until the king is born, he slaps her. That is the <laughs> first, honestly, that is the first, because that puts it in a perspective of the difference in power too. He said, I meant to take your head off. Yeah. He's like, oh, I respect you because you're supposed to be, because before that, you've seen him smack some heads off. Like <laughs> he smacks entire torsos off. He does. Like somebody says some shit. Like the king, I think his first words were not words like he just took somebody's head off yeah he's born somebody says some shit and he kills him and he was just killing people left and right and so when you see him tail slap pito and she just gets slapped actually yeah he's like oh i meant to kill you like you yeah and her face is fucked up it's like bruised and really swollen and uh red and scratched up and everything it's really bad and she's like she does that thing where she keeps her head turned the way that he slapped it for a while um but he said i didn't mean like i meant to kill you royal royal garden all i actually intended to kill you. So up until that moment, uh, I was extremely fearful of her. And I, you know, obviously still after that I was, but that just kind of showed me top dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean top dog no more. But before that, I was like, top, she's fucking top dog. She's the problem. She's the <laughs> uh, so when so when Kite gets his arm taken off and they run, and now he's alone with his fucking rod, his his, you know, his his special men, and he's like, All right, give me a good number. And he, you know, he spent he spends it really, really, really quickly. And then he gets like a number. I forget what number it is. He uh, gets, I want to say like zero. Like he gets, because he gets something where even the viewer is like, oh, that's probably bad. Yes. I remember. I remember feeling that way. I remember feeling dread. Yeah. I, uh, that's the exact way to put it. I felt dread when he got his number. And I also felt dread because he was down an arm. But I still, at the time, I didn't know how vicious the Hunter Hunter Rider was. <laughs> uh, I guess, I like, I knew because of the the York new city arc, right. That precedes the Chimerian arc. Like I knew that he was a vicious writer when all of them fuckers and the Phantom troop killed that crystal ballroom of people like that. Mm-hmm. And then vacuumed them up. I knew he was on <laughs> some fuck shit. Like I knew, but I didn't know. Also the, um, when, when they do the, uh, I fucking love like the, I, I call it like the concert of the symphony when it's after Uvo dies and Lucifer is like, like, doing the conductor stuff on, on, uh, in the Was room. It, yeah, yeah. Requiem. Yeah. Yes. And then you see like the music is playing and you see him up the, there and then all the, the Phantom Troop are killing people. Some of the best directing. Oh, holy shit. Ever. It's so well directed that, that entire, I, cause I like the Phantom Troop art more than I like the Chimera art. I tell people that all the time. I don't think that that's like, I really don't think that's a hot take. I know I people. No, it's not a hot take. I think, I think it's fair. Like, I think both are fucking amazing arcs, yes. and it's it's pretty fair, like one over the other. Yeah, I just have a personal gripe with the Chimera arc, and we haven't done a Hunter Hunter episode yet, right? No, I don't think so. So okay, so when we do the Hunter Hunter episode, I'll save my gripe with the Chimera. I specifically have a big gripe with that arc, um, 
at least my, I only watched Hunter once straight through. It's very long, so I don't intend to watch it again. But I might watch the Chimera arc again just to see if my opinion might change. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my first watch of it was not pleasant. And I will talk about that in a specific episode dedicated to just that anime. But I still think the anime is top five that are alive. And uh, the, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Kite, I didn't expect him to die. I know we say that probably for everybody on this this podcast episode. But I don't know. Like, they kind of off-screened him. Not kind of. They literally off-screened him. Yeah, it's it's just the way it happened. Like, it's how fast it happened. It's when, and it, it's it's pretty incredible when, when this happens. It's just how quickly things go bad. Yes. Because everything was pretty fun. Like, everything was okay. Yes, and then everything was. So quickly. Like, her thighs bulge up. She appears, <laughs> cuts his arm off. Take lives. And then she's like, where Kite's like, y'all need to fucking run. Yes. And then the next time, that that is what's rude. Because you know they fight. He rolls his number. Then they go off screen, do something. The next time you see them is her sitting under a tree with Kite's fucking head. You don't get to see the fight, but you see the aftermath. And she's just sitting there with Kite's head. And she's like rolling his head around between her legs. Just like playing with his head. As if it's a, a yarn ball. I literally remember looking over at my roommate when we got to that episode because he fucking knew. Um, I couldn't believe that that was the real ending of that episode. It's the same yeah, episode. The disrespect. Like, the disrespect. Respect. I could not believe that she was holding his head. Kaito. <laughs> I could not believe it. I literally looked over at him in disgust. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was like, that's not real, right? <laughs> and you know, Medina, he kind of just smiled. Like he enjoyed that so much. Mm-hmm. And I just was kind of like, no, that's not like I paused it and everything. I was like, that's not real, right? <laughs> and he was like, you'll just have to see. You'll just have to see, baby. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. It's and it so was rude. real. And then he it's fucking so him rude. to the queen. Oh, so ignorant. Uh that death, death is rude. That death caught me off guard. It's it's brutal. It's also off screen. I'm not used to characters that like he's not, I'm not gonna say he's a main character by any means, but like he was, he was important. He's an important character. He's also a teacher. He's like that type of character. Um, off screen, like imagine Kakashi getting off screened. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, don't get me wrong, Kite is doesn't have the same development of Kakashi, but still, at least when Kakashi died, and when Pain kills Kakashi, it is not an off screen death. Yeah, but I think that's that's part of what makes. On one end, right, as as viewers and consumers of cool shit, we want to see the fight because we want to see what cool shit happens in the yes. fight, right? But in the writing, I think what makes his death hit so much harder is that it cuts away, and when it cuts back, it he's she's just playing with his fucking yep, head. I agree with you 100%. I, no question. I agree with what you just said 100%. I think that it makes it, which is why I started this whole thing by saying I didn't know the level of fuck <laughs> the writer was on when he would, like, I didn't know... That you can make an off-screen death so impactful. Yes, yes. Like I didn't know Hunter Hunter is the only time. I think I, I, like I can't obviously I can't think of right now on the spot of mm-hmm. other off-screen deaths. Like in general, not even ones that are impactful, just like off-screen deaths. But ones that are impactful, I definitely can't think of ones that are like me neither. At the moment, maybe there is one, but I I can't think of one. An off-screen death that actually is like holy shit! I, I literally cannot think of one. Uh, Not at all. So yeah, Kite's death was wild. One of the reasons why Hunter Hunter is one of the absolute greatest animes ever. And yeah, it definitely hit in the feels. Definitely hit in the fucking feels. Also shock factor and all that stuff. 
Yeah, it was fucked up. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah, Ooh. she's insane. That character's insane. I can't wait to the Hunter Hunter episode because I do. She's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, so another like a quick a quick you know character that their death it definitely like it had an impact. It hurt. It sucked. Though I, I would say for this one, it sucked more than anything. Uh, My Hero Academia, um, All Might's like part former partner, uh, Night Eye. Oh man, he dies. And mind you, he was just introduced in the arc that he dies in. So it's kind of you know it's that's it's almost the same thing as Rengoku, but not quite because he's in the arc a lot. They spend a lot of time with him. He gets a lot of dialogue. I mean, literally, the main character goes to get an apprenticeship under him. Yeah. And it's a whole thing. Like just getting in the door is a whole fucking thing, right? And then you find out about Nadai, why he hated All Might in the end, like why he thinks that All Might made a really big mistake. He thought that All Might should have never given given a quirk to Deku, and that it should have gone to uh, Mirio, Mirio, um, which is Mirio would have been the number one hero by he would have been bonkers, yo. He would have been <laughs> on the million. Stoppable. He would have been, been bonkers. He would have been on. There would be no story though. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Like my That's why I wouldn't go to him. Yeah, it actually wouldn't have. Like there would be nothing to write about. Is the problem? Um, <laughs> he's that. <OP. laughs> he's that OP on his own. So so yes, uh, Mirio is outrageous, and that's who that's who Night Eye felt the quirk should have went to. And, and importantly, just to clarify. As outrageous and bonkers as as uh, Lemillion Mirio is, that wasn't the that wasn't the chief reason why Night Eye thought it should go to him. He also believed, and I think rightfully so, that Lemillion embodied the same principles that All Might had. Like Lemillion was a similar, yeah, a similar force, a similar person, yes. personality uh, yeah. to All it Might. It wasn't it wasn't just because he was strong and all that shit. Like it was like, oh, also. He really would be the symbol of peace in the same exact way as All Might. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, but yeah, he ends up getting killed in the arc, and it's kind of wild, uh, a bit unexpected. Uh, Chi Saki, you know, ridiculous fucking quirk, destroying things, and he can like put them back together, and there's all this wild shit that he can do. His quirk is very busted. Uh, I, yeah, his quirk was very busted, regardless of the way things ended for him. The, like it took when you think about it, what it took for them to beat Chisaki is actually he kind of got unlucky <laughs> because his fucking I guess his sister or whatever you want to call Eri to him, her teaming up and, you, and her power exploding like that on top of Deku and letting him go a hundred percent without suffering any consequences from it and keeping up with that, destroying his body but then re, like healing it and then him fighting against that and he you know he gets fucking destroyed like don't get me wrong it's not it's not close really. Um, but it would not have been close in any other way if she weren't doing that. Like there was no winning that fight for them. That's true. Well, I will say this though: I don't give a fuck about him getting unlucky because if he won on one, my boy Lamillion, he would have been like without his homies oh. to help him all. Because yeah, Lamillion fired... soloed his crew. Like uh, Lamillion was also soloing him. Yes, Lamillion was soloing him, yeah. his crew, it was and then bad. even after they fucking. Shot the the quirk the the thing at Eri and he lost his quirk. He still continued to fight him without a quirk for like yeah. fifteen minutes. Yeah, that was that was wild. Uh, yeah, I I agree. Like the million is ridiculous. I respect him so much. He's one of my favorite heroes, actually. And he's I was been really... the wallpaper on my phone since that episode came out. Holy shit! 
He's my wallpaper on my phone is Lemillion, and it it has been Lemillion like it has wow. been Lemillion since not even the episode since I read that chapter. I was about to say, yeah, yeah, because I actually read the manga before the anime. Since I read that chapter, Lemillion has been so. Whenever you can find out the date, whenever that chapter came out, Lemillion has been the wallpaper on my phone, and yep. it hasn't changed. And I also read that whole arc before I saw it animated. And I was blown away by. It. I was like, "Wow, this Muriel guy is he's outrageous." <laughs> uh, but yeah, he was beating the shit out of Chisaki and everybody. And then obviously they had to shoot at an innocent person to like nerf him. And the nerf was pretty insane because I'm like, "Wow, he, wait, he really like his quirk is gone? Like that's that's wild." And I'm not gonna. Yeah, but yeah, he loses his quirk, and that fucking sucks. It just fucking sucks. And where do you, yeah? And the anime, like even still right now, like his, you know, he still doesn't have a quirk. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, is he what ever going to get fuck? a quirk back? You know, is he ever going to get a quirk back? Like, that's that's really ignorant. But it's also one of those ways where you kind of get rid of an OP character. You typically, they do it with dumbass sicknesses and stuff like that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They'll Ken- they'll Roni Kenshin another death that's like you know pretty pretty ignorant. He just kind of gets sick and dies. Itachi gets sick and dies. Yeah, uh, like, we got it. This guy's broken. We gotta we gotta figure out a way. Yeah, when these characters are too strong, they just that's one of the main ways to kill people in fiction. Is like, well. We created a monster. Madara have a fucking black Zetsu be the puppeteer of the entire show. Literally the entire show. I'm talking about chapter one. Black Zetsu is behind everything. So fucking terrible. And then he rips rips Madara apart and summons Kaguya. It's like, all right, like that's, I guess that's the fucking ending now. Um, or the end of Madara rather. But yeah, some of these characters get hoed in their deaths. Like some of the, some, some of the deaths are just, not very good. Like Rengoku's not the worst of them, is what I'm saying. Like that he's just yeah, not, yeah, yeah. He's not the but, worst of them, but yeah. But Night Eye, his because he, like you said, that whole arc, he's involved in it. Uh, he starts off pretty callous, but you grow to, in my opinion, I think you grow to like him fairly quickly. Um, yes, his quirk is nice too. His quirk is real nice. He can no, basically for- see the future. Yes, um, it's really nice. I fucking like it a lot, and. So he essentially has like a Sharingan and when he puts the, uh, when he activates his quirk, like, you know, he can't use it back to back to back, but when he does use it for the amount of time that it's active, you can't really touch him. Yep. He sees the, he just sees everything that's going to happen. He really sees the future and he, and he, he, I guess trained so much that his reaction speed and he's fast, like he's fast and strong. He has these fucking little chest pieces that he throws out. Yeah. That are like, they weigh something crazy. I don't want to say that they weigh a ton. Like a an actual time, but, but they're heavy. Like they, they, they weigh a lot. They weigh something dangerous that if they if he shot at a human being, it would kill the human being, no question. Mm-hmm. More accurate, like more reliably than shooting a gun at a human being would. That's how heavy they are, and that's how strong he fucking flicks them out. So <laughs> he, his quirk doesn't make him strong at all. He is actually that fucking strong that he can flick these things out that are literally that. Like they weigh that much. I forget the exact measurement, but they do give it to you. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So he's he's wild. And then that whole sort of the 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 crux of that arc toward the end is that he basically sees Deku's death. I think he sees he and Deku's death, and that gets revealed to you. But then you know you're like, ah, oh, Deku's not going to die. He's the main character. And then Deku sort of fights through and kind of breaks his prediction. Yeah. Um. And he realizes that he's the boy that can change. Yeah. yeah, and but you take that and you would almost assume like, oh, cool, like every everybody's going to come out of this alive. Uh, but then, like the damage, the damage done to his internal organs was just too much. And then 
there's a really emotional hospital scene with him that I thought was done very, very well. Yep. Yeah, man. His relationship to All Might, his relationship to Deku, his relationship to Mirio, what happens to him and Mirio in the arc. It's very mm-hmm. good. It's actually all very good. Very well developed. Even though he was only around for one arc, it's very well done to kill a character that you just introduced. Uh, it's not easy to do that in a meaningful way. And My Hero is one of the reasons why I think My Hero is actually super slept on. One of the absolute best anime out right now. Um, but it's one of, yeah, I think they do a really good job of that. And yeah, I think other animes need to take note of how to properly, if you want to kill a character, how to properly do it if you're going to introduce them and then kill them like shortly after. Yep. Yeah, if you're not going to have 400 episodes, yes, like One Piece. Uh, okay, so for one of the last ones to wrap this up, because we are approaching the two-hour mark here, uh, let's talk about Erwin. He's the only one on the screen. I believe, yeah, out of the whole ones that we have for our wallpaper today, we haven't talked about him yet. And season, so funny, Our one of our mutual friends, Cam, he messaged me like two days ago, and he asked me, what do you think the best arc so far of Attack on Titan is? Do you think it is like the the final season, the first half of the final season, so what just aired this year? Or do you think it's some other season? And I was like, wow, that's a really fucking hard question because season three, second half, those that, that those 12 episodes, and then the final season, those 12 episodes, right? Obviously, both of those arcs are absolutely fucking nuts i'm talking yep. about if i had to say best arcs of anime ever like a top 10 list i think that both of those arcs make it in the top 10 best anime arcs of all time both of them like they i think attack on titan takes up two spots with those two arcs which is why for me i will say and i, I like every season of attack on titan i fucking love the final season but season three part two is for for me currently the best like the best arc for attack funny, on titan. funny you say that because as I was, I was typing a lot of fucks and shit. Why'd you ask me this question? And like, this is super hard. I didn't give a response for a while. Like the actual, I didn't give a response for a long time. I'm, I'm actually going to pull up the conversation and see like, <laughs> if I can uh, read some of it out. Okay, so here we go. Let's see. So, all right, let me go back. Just bear with me. He says, all right, War for Paradise and your top anime arcs on all time of all time. And I was like, uh. I was like, is that the most recent 12 episodes? I was like, first off, Attack on Titan period, top anime of all time. Like, not even just best arc. He's like, but I need the best arc from Attack on Titan. Some saying it's the, you know, the season three, second half, and some saying it's the Marley part from final season. And I was like, season three, part two is crazy. Final season, part one is crazy. I don't know. Super hard to decide on which is better. They're both so insane. Fuck. Okay, so... Season three, part two, the one that contains Hero and Perfect Game. These are names of the episodes. I was like, season three, part two, the one that contains Hero and Perfect Game is better because it's all characters that you've known for a long ass time. The stakes are crazy. You have Erwin, you have Armin, you have Burholt, you etc. I said, so yeah, it's season three, part two, but only slightly over final season part one. Like it's not, they're not worlds apart. In my no, opinion. no. Yeah, just, not, I don't think it's a blowout. But I do, I do also agree with you that to me, it, there is a clear winner though. Like, I, yes. like but I, I think that people could argue, like someone could argue that the fight, like the final season part one, because of everything that happened in that season, that season is, is really insane and it's very well animated and all of those good things. Um, but season three, part two, man, uh, even the way it ends with all of the revelations, it's when they so go back good. in time with Gracia Yeager 
and then finding out that they're not actually the only humans in the world. Yep. I, that re, that re, that's the, the scene, big reveal. The scene, like, okay, first of all, yeah, they they finally make it to the basement, right? Yes, they make it to the basement, which is like talked about throughout the entire series. Um, they find out about the other humans. The flashback with Gracia Yeager, the the sort of the end 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 of the, se- the the season where you have Aaron looking out across the ocean. Yes, and he has that that sort of depressing thought, like, "Will we finally be free if we kill everyone over there?" Um, and then the episode "Hero," which I think we've talked about so many times. We have that episode is just wild. The amount of heroes that are on display in that episode between Erwin and Armin, um, Levi, like that Aaron. episode and Aaron, like what all these people put on their back to push everything forward is just all of the people who amazing. charged forward knowing that they were going to die. Yes. All heroes. The episode's name is so fucking insane for the amount of heroes that are in it and just what happens. Uh, also, Levi versus Beast Titan part one. It's a crazy, crazy episode in a crazy season. Like that half of the season, like both, you know, both halves of the season are good, but specifically the part two, that arc, because that's a whole arc, those 12 episodes. That shit, me and you both agree clearly, because we never talked about this, but yes, season three, part two is the best attack on Titan season or the best attack on Titan arc, period. Mm-hmm. Like just, just period. Like it, it has the biggest reveal, I think. Like that is the, there's some crazy reveals in the final season. But I don't think that any of them compare to the shit that you find out at the end of that third season. Like it just doesn't compare. Like it, it's just it's on the note of Irwin, because like we're talking about his death in a way. On the note of Irwin, something that I love about his character, it's like the strength of his character and the strength of the writing. There's a moment where he's literally at Aaron's door. He's like back is up against the door and he's about to die. And like he could go into the basement. Like he could finally get like his life's dream but you know he doesn't he instead like goes forward with with the um you know the charge and everything yeah yeah it's wild. I, it just shows like a strength of, like he gives up on his own dreams yeah he for, knows like, the he's, fate for the fate of the people he knows he's going to die he also knows that he has to lie to all of his men basically in a way like he has to send a bunch of men to their deaths and him being one of them because he would be a coward to not go in him, himself and they need everybody all hands on deck for these flares. Um, that so that is insane. Seeing him being hit by a rock like that from the Beast Titan. But then I think what makes his death so fucking insane is that apparently he's not actually dead from the impact of the Beast Titan throwing shit. Uh, they they have the thing that can change you into a Titan. The injection Levi has it, and someone finds Irwin's body and they bring it back to Levi. Like yo, he's still alive you have the fucking serum that can turn him into a Titan. Then we can have him eat Burholt, who's like also right here. And that will revive him essentially. Like that will give that everyone will be alive. Uh, <laughs> and then motherfuckers come along and like, you know, Armin who's already there, who was about to be given the serum. And Levi had kind of already agreed to it. Like he was like, yeah, I guess this is like, but in the back of his mind, he, was kind of holding out because he is not. I won't say that he knew, but he just had a like. If there is a chance that Erwin is alive somehow, some way, I do want to reserve it. So even when uh, Aaron and Mikasa show up and they have Armin, and Armin is like, "Oh, Armin's not dead. He's smoked. He has no hair on his body. He's literally burnt to a crisp, and he will die shortly. Uh, but he is currently still alive. 
And Levi kind of agrees to like, yeah, I guess this is like, this makes sense. You know, Armin's, you know, he's pretty smart. Like Erwin likes the kid and he's a life that we could save and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, this, I guess this does make sense. When else would I fucking use it? Right. He's really thinking about it. Then they show up with that. They show up with Erwin's body. And when, when I tell you that them showing up with Erwin, <laughs> I can't even put into, when I was watching, I can't even put in a word how I felt. It was mind blowing. Like I, like panic attack, mind blowing because the episode had already had so much in it. And then for mm-hmm. that to happen too, where now you have Aaron and Mikasa versus Levi. And then Mikasa makes that comment, about I think I can Dude, take I'll, him now. Yeah. Cause he's like, <laughs> cause Levi's like a little injured. Mikasa's like, I can take him. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's off his game. He's not at top notch right now. He's a little hurt. He don't fault the beast tight in a day. Like he's been through a lot emotionally and physically. Um, I still don't know if she would have actually been able to take him, but like that's not right here yeah. there. Those two are the most OD though. You know oh, those not, memes you see on the internet where it'll be like Team Seven at not at ninety nine at one hundred percent and Team Seven at ninety nine percent. It's like it's just minus soccer. Yeah, I, I remember I saw one kind of recently. It was like the Survey Corps at one hundred percent, and it showed all of them, and it was like the Survey Corps at ninety nine percent, and it was just Levi and Mikasa, and like yeah. took everybody else out of the yeah. picture. No, no, yeah, just yes, just yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, his death is fucking insane because they so, you know, Attack on Titan is not the best because Erwin gets brought up top and they choose Armin over him. It's also the way that entire thing plays out. Levi is like, absolutely not. I chose Erwin and there's now <laughs> nothing that they can do. Like Levi has made a choice and is not Armin and he's about to actually inject Erwin. And at the same time, as the fucking narrators from Hunter Hunters love to say, at the same time, Erwin is having a dream where he's in class, or he's like, you know, yeah, he's a, he's basically getting a lesson, and he in the in the dream he raises his hand to you know how a student raises their yeah, hand, yeah. like I want to answer the question or I want to speak, and in real life, while he his his pretty much dead body is next to Levi, and Levi's about to stab him with the thing that will turn him into a titan and save his life, uh. Him raising his hand in a dream is him raising his hand in real life and smacking away Levi's hand. And Levi takes that as him choosing Armin. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. It is actually one of the most fucking brilliant things I have ever seen, period. And like that's why that episode goes back and forth between number one, best episode of television ever. It's between yeah. that and the episode called Ozymandias of uh breaking bad they go back and forth but that episode hero is so multi-layered and Aaron's like erwin's death is it's crazy it's a it's a small part and a big part of the episode like there's so much that happens in the episode and yeah, the crazy, episode like, is, is packed with amazing mo- like there's so many moments in that episode if you're just talking about it you could often forget that it was all one episode it you really can like Armin gets burnt to a crisp in that episode like it's it's like the number of things that happen <laughs> The number, like you said, the number of heroes is absurd. Everything and everything needed to happen the way it did too. Like yep. everything needed, like Armin had to hold on. So he kept on shooting out the steam. So that, that way Aaron could trick him into believing that he actually was like, you know, up against the wall. But in fact, he had crystallized and slid down and snuck out. Everything needed to happen. Everything. And so there's all these different heroes in play. And then when Erwin, Erwin also a hero, when he chooses Armin, basically, uh, it's just so fucking crazy, man. Such an iconic moment. Such a great death to an amazing character. To Erwin is actually the shit. I fucking love Erwin. Like he's, he's not even just a character that's like a 
oh, well, he died. Like, he is actually the shit. And I didn't expect him to die. He already he was down. I think he was down an arm already. He's one of the... In, when he gets really, really in the fray, because I feel like he really comes into play in Season 3 Part 1, I want to say, or maybe toward the end of Season 2. I think it's the end of Season 2, because I think that's when he gets his arm taken. Um, but yeah, somewhere around there, he starts to come into play, and I, he becomes a character I really, really enjoy. Yes. And... Uh, he just starts speaking some real shit. Like he, yeah, I was even. I remember I got scared when he was like telling stories about his dad and stuff. And like his dad, I want to say, kind of looks like Zeke. At I some agree. point, I thought I got Me scared. Too. I thought his dad was Zeke for a moment. I thought that I was he was related. Scared. I thought yeah. he was related. So the way Erwin is related, I wasn't expecting that. But I did think that Erwin was related. Yeah. Uh, furthermore, when you talk, when you just said I got scared, I thought you were going to talk about something else. I got scared when. They found out that they found the coffee and the coffee was like relatively recently used. They found a coffee pot. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they realized that they were in the walls that Reiner and Burholt must be close by. Uh, so they, they realized they're in the walls and they start doing like a little thing where they, they have all the scouts go and start checking the walls. And when Reiner gets, you know, he, he burst out and fucking Mikasa tries to, no, Levi, sorry. Levi tries to absolutely end this man's life, sticks his sword straight through his neck uh, <laughs> and Reiner transforms. Then Reiner climbs the wall and Erwin is just standing there. So Reiner is at the top of the wall in Titan form on you. He is feet away from Erwin. Erwin's at the top of the wall. Erwin's look like he's not even full. His head doesn't fully turn. It kind of like turns towards Reiner and he kind of moves his eyeballs towards him and like a stare off. And Reiner's looking like, okay, I can kill this guy right the fuck now. <laughs> and Erwin realizes like this. Yeah. I'm unprotected. There's no one here to stop him. And he could go for the easy kill. Erwin's just standing there. But then Erwin slides down and he starts running away. And they realize, like, if Erwin gets away, this entire thing is for nothing. Like, this entire fucking siege, we failed. If Erwin gets away. So it puts him in awkward. And this is Erwin's plan. This was, they actually do a quick flashback and they show you, like, this was Erwin's, Erwin's plan was for Erwin to fake run away. So that it draws their attention and this whole thing. They had a whole great plan because everyone comes up with nothing but great plans. And uh, it's just iconic. The whole moment is iconic that it's really, to me, that part was really scary. I was like, oh God, is Ryan just going to fucking like just jump over there and land on him or some brutal shit like that? Because it's Attack on Titan. They don't give a fuck about characters, honestly. Like we're being completely honest. People just They can die. just ruin you. Yeah, I'm talking everybody. They will anybody, just ruin you. Anybody can get it. I mean, Attack on Titan was so oftenly compared to Game of Thrones when it first came out. Yeah, killing characters, just yeah, just killing characters. Um, so yeah, I mean, Erwin's death is one of the best, and Attack on Titan's one of the best animes. Uh, some of the best arcs, some of the best everything. Just character development, writing, animation, just everything. Like everything about it. I think Attack on Titan is just a fucking fantastic anime. We already did a whole episode on it. Listen to that if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, but yeah, Erwin's death, crazy. Uh, we don't even have enough time to go over Lelouch's from Kogias. Uh, and oh there's a, man. Uh, but we're going to do a Kogias episode, so we will just talk about that during the Kogias episode. You you don't know everything about Hunger Games, right? Like you didn't see. I've only ever two- seen episode. I'm not episode. I've only ever seen the first movie. Okay, I'll, there's a. I, I'll I can watch. I don't know if the if the movies are like on Hulu or something. I, I can watch them. I don't know if they okay. Are. I know they were on Hulu a while ago, but I don't know if they still are. But we can do a. Uh... We can do a episode on Hunger Games because I love the Hunger Games. So I would I would love to, and I also read the novels. So I'll be that annoying person that's like in the books. 
hey man, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, I'll do a whole in the well in the books, they actually uh I've never watched the last Hunger Games movies, the last two. I they fucked up the second like I said, the second book is literally the best, the best book by far, catching fire. And they fucked that movie up, in my opinion, really badly. It's still not like it's not bad, but if you read the book, it's bad. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you may enjoy it. Uh, but after that, I just was like, uh, when the next two movies come out, I just love, I, like, I don't really care to watch any more of this shit. Like it, it's that, it's actually crazy. I never went back and watched them. Not even for like background music with my phone out while I'm scrolling Facebook or Instagram. I never went back, but yeah. because you're going to watch them at some point, uh, just let me know when I will watch those last two movies just so that I know what does happen in the movies. And then I can yep. tell you what the books do. What's different. Yeah. What's crazy that you bring that up about hunger games. We mentioned this in the Squid Games episode, but you know, Squid Game is similar to Hunger in that it's like a death game type of yeah. show, movie, etc. Uh, but just yesterday, I saw Medina because he was at the funeral. We were talking. I asked him, like, I asked him if he saw Squid Game. He's like, "What's that?" And I was like, "I love you, Medina." I was like, "You're one of the like, you just don't know." Like he he just somehow completely missed everybody on the planet talking about it, yes. and it being the number one Netflix show. He's like, "What what is that?" And so basically I explained uh Squid Game to him and the premise of it and he um he was like oh so I guess it's kind of like Hunger Games. But yeah, it was just it was so funny to me that he just had no idea. Literally none and he's not capping. Like he's not just pretending yeah. like he doesn't know what's up. He literally <laughs> doesn't really use social media, so it's you know, he's one of those people but yeah, uh, he was like Pfft. he had yeah. no clue it was even a thing. But we we briefly mentioned like I told him I was like I don't know how I was like Squid Game was good, but I don't I do not know how it became the biggest show ever. Uh, Cause like it's good, but man, I don't know how it became the biggest, like it became huge. And I think we said this in the episode. I think what it comes down to is a lot of people that don't watch anime. Don't realize how much they would like anime. Yes. Because squid game is really an anime to be yeah. fair. Uh, so yes, I agree with you on that point. And we, you know, I, like I said, I have just to jump back to what we were talking. So I have Lelouch here. I have, there's a death in hunger games that is, absolutely fucking nuts and if you know you know we will talk about it but it is a shocker mm. okay it is a fucking shocker uh so that's that's one and then we already so in the dragon ball z episode or a dragon ball episode rather uh we talked about krillin dying already so mm-hmm. i have krillin on this list but we don't have to talk about that again i'm just gonna end this episode off episode 30 uh talking about death and fiction and thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you have anything that you want us to read aloud on the show, any listener letters, uh, write it into IamNerdPodcast at gmail.com, and we will read it aloud on the show. Uh, yeah, and that, that really wraps up this episode. Kenny, you got any closing thoughts or anything like that? No, just that this was, you know, as weird as it is to say, it's fun. It was a fun episode talking about it death was. and fiction. Um, a lot of really iconic, really cool characters. And, uh, yeah, I, I would love to... We're st- we you know we we do a lot of episodes, but some of these we got eventually do some like full arc breakdowns of certain series, like a hunter like a hunter hunter episode, and then like certain arc breakdowns or like yes. one piece arc breakdowns. Yeah, it's it's, like, man, there's so much. I mean, the good thing is, God willing, we're not going anywhere anytime soon, and we will always yeah. be needing content. We do two episodes a week, which is a lot. Like that is it's a commitment. Like, and these episodes are fucking usually around two hours so this one is right now yeah. two hours and nine minutes after editing and everything it'll be less of course but uh it'll still shake up i'm pretty sure this episode is still going to end off around very close to two hours if not actually two hours and the last one was the same the one before that was one of our longest episodes ever so we record 
over four hours of content a week. There's plenty of things that we're going to dive into, so be patient with us. But if you guys have something that you do want us to talk about, feel free to let us know. Our patrons have the ability to actually like demand that we talk about a topic. And uh, that's how the Kingdom Hearts episode came to be. But if any of them you know, want to also enact that same thing, they could just say, because they're patrons and they actually are paying for exclusive content and just like other things like our discord and stuff, you know, if they, if you want us to talk about something, Patreon is the way like to yes, get hundred percent. We will hundred percent talk about it. If it's through our uh, Patreon. Speaking of content, I think Cowboy Bebop, the Netflix show comes out in like a week. Yes. And I'm still going through, I'm actually loving Cowboy Bebop, man. I'm so I, happy that you are. <laughs> I'm still early on. I just finished the episode with the monkeys and the, uh, the one madam who like has this fucking, they're basically what happens if PETA gets to live too long. <laughs> and it be you know, and we advance to space. It's basically PETA. If PETA is allowed to go to space with the rest of the human human race, even though they shouldn't probably be allowed to, but like, if they do make it that far, she's basically the rep for like the CEO of PETA. It just takes to the stream. I love that the episode was amazing. Uh, they finally got the Valentine girl, whatever her name is. Like, she's pretty much now a crewmate. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the music, like the jazz. I think it's jazz. Yep. Yeah, the music in Cowboy Bebop is so clean. I'm enjoying it as I'm watching, and I'm also trying to imagine some of the scenes in live action, just because <laughs> I know it's coming. Uh, so some of it is going to be interesting for sure. And I don't really know anything about the live action. I didn't really look into what they're going to do, where they're going to go with it, if it's going to be literally a replica of Cowboy Bebop, like episode by episode or something like that, like episodically. I don't yeah, know. I'm not anything 100% about sure. I think it will be a bit different, but. Yeah, I'm excited yeah, to see it, what they do. I'm not expecting it to be great, but me you know, I hope I'm wrong. I'm not expecting it to be great, but I will. I would like to be wrong, like you said. And uh, yeah, well, this wraps up episode 30 of the I'm There podcast, guys. As I always say, uh, do the things that make you happy. Mm, mm, do them. Do that shit. And then <laughs> right. think of Frazier and I don't know. Peace. Peace.